Welcome to the Back Row Fantasy Show with your hosts, Jeremy Barker, Aaron Arms, and Chad Middle. Hey guys, it's Bark. I'm here with a very special edition of the Back Row Fantasy Show. A little story came out today that kind of uh, kind of got to me. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do when starting this show uh, was to meet some strangers and bring some people together and try to build a bigger platform for acts of kindness or acts of gratitude, just to let people know there's still kindness in the world, there's still good people in the world, and uh, we've talked to a lot of really good people. And I want to do a special episode uh, to kind of highlight some of those people. But first, I have a very special guest on before I do the interviews we've already done into one episode. Um, Call this the Acts of Kindness episode, because I feel like the people that have interviewed with us and came on the show, to me, that's a huge act of kindness. And I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. But I have a very special guest with us right now. Okay, folks, I have Thera Jaramillo on the line. Some of you may know who she is by now. Some of you may not. But regardless, it's it's not about introducing you to just her in particular, but a small story that happened to her that just shows that there's still kind people out there, including herself. So, Thera, if you want to introduce yourself, tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you stand for, what you love about life. And, and if you want to tell that story, you know, by all means, tell it. If, if not, that's okay, too. Hi, everybody. My name is Thera Jaramillo. I'm a freelance writer uh, who lives now in Atlanta, Georgia, originally from London, England. And um, as far as what I stand for, that was an interesting question. I stand for uh, all of us helping each other get through this thing called life. And I recently had, um, you, you may or may not know my name, and it doesn't matter if you know my name, but it is kind of important that you might know that Ludacris, the rapper Ludacris, international superstar and actor Ludacris, Grammy winner Ludacris, uh, kind of saved my butt in Whole Foods the other day and bought me $400 worth of groceries. That's um, incredible. It, it was so surprising. Uh, it was stunning. It was generous. He was quiet, generous, kind, uh, unassuming, humble. And I am extraordinarily grateful to him, not just for the gesture, which in and of itself was, you know, incredibly generous, but also because he taught me something. He taught me the power, the real power of unexpected kindness from strangers. Um, and he gave me a lesson that's going to last a long time after those groceries are gone. And you know what? I will tell you whatever you want to know, but maybe you know your audience better than I do. Hi, audience. And you can just ask me whatever questions you like. That sounds great. I, I, I'm just, you know, it, it's one of those things, first and foremost, you know, anybody that helps you out in any situation, you know, where that help is needed, or, or maybe not so much as needed, but just appreciated. Uh, it doesn't matter who it is that's helping. Like, we can all help each other. Like, we should all see stories like, you know, Ludacris 
helping Thera out and, and just be inspired to go out and do something for someone else. I hope that is the end result to those kind of stories. Cause there's not, there's not a whole lot of things in the media right now that you look at and that inspire you to do something kind or generous for anyone. So when you do see these stories, which is why I wanted to talk to Thera tonight, cause they're random. I mean, you don't see them very often. It's not like every day we're hearing about, you know, just your average every day, you know, good-hearted person walking through life you know we don't hear about things being done for them a lot of that stuff probably just goes under the table but luckily in Thera's case and in my case Ludacris did something nice for Thera which brings a little bit of spotlight just in general to doing things for others so I love stories like this and I'm super appreciative Thera to you for coming on and just sharing your story a little bit because I just hope people take this and immediately, the next thing they think about when they interact with somebody, whether it's someone in front of them at the grocery store or someone that just seems to need a little help with something, it doesn't matter if it's financially or may, maybe it's just somebody that looks down on their luck and maybe you could just walk up and pat them on the back and like ask them if everything's okay. Uh, just any situation, exactly. hopefully, this makes people... This could help maybe if this helps one person walk up to someone in our everyday walk of life and offer to help them with something that they may need help with. I mean, it's worth it. Exactly. You understand that. And I, I challenge people because I had a mindset that I think a lot of people may have. It's not that I didn't care about the world. I was wrapped up in some of my own problems. I seem to have a lot uh, very recently that were kind of getting me down. I think I'm not alone in that. Um, but I often would stop myself with, oh, God, you know, I, there are so many problems in this world. What can I do? Ah, see, that's where I didn't realize something that I realize now. And what I realize now is this. What Ludacris did for me was huge. I mean, $375 for the groceries is not a drop in the bucket. No, for it is not. People. No, for him, you know what? It was no big deal. For him, it was a small thing. He probably didn't think about it again unless he, you know, heard uh, some of the news stories that have gone around. It, for him, it was a little thing. For me, it was everything. But everybody can do a little thing. Whether your little thing happens to be that you could buy somebody $375 worth of groceries, okay. Or whether your little thing is that you know somebody, uh, a widow, who needs her lawn mowed. You know a child that, you know, uh, walks home from school alone. Maybe they need somebody to talk to. You have, uh, you see something on sale at the store, and you go, that's a great sale. You know what? I'm going to buy a bag of it. I'm going to spend $15, $20, buy a bag of it, take it to my local food bank. I'm going to take my kids with me. We're going to do this together. Um, I, my garden, I'm going to plant a row for the hungry. Uh, uh I have some concert tickets, and I'm not going to use them, but I know somebody who would love them. Or maybe, you know what, I'll just, I'm, I'm just going to put them on, the, on my Facebook page and say, hey, friends, I want to send you to this concert. Go ahead and go. There are so many little things. There is no small act of kindness that is actually small. Somebody told me that on my Facebook page, and I said, you just nailed it, friend. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. There, there's... What, what may be small to you could be huge for someone else. So, you know, anybody listening and anybody you can pass that on to just needs to remember that. Like maybe, maybe buying an extra dollar sandwich from whatever restaurant you're at that day 
may seem small to you, but if you saw somebody on your way to the restaurant that might be able to use that, you know, small to you, huge to them. Like, don't think about it in measures of greatness. It's just do small things for others and, and it'll trickle and build. And I mean, that's what we need to do. Everybody needs to, to think about these things more often. And it, and we can do it. That's the great we, thing we about can. it is we don't have to wait. We don't have to be powerful. We don't have to be rich. Because in this society, um, power, uh, currency, um, influence is what people want. We already have that to a degree that we do not use. Absolutely. See, I'm, I'm, learning, I'm learning this. I, I've really thought about this since Ludacris did that to me. I mean, I ran into some great good luck just by the grace of the universe. I was looking down, and this unexpected angel made me look up again. That's not a small thing in somebody's life. I, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm not the only one who has problems, but it's, I ran into a, a bad month, and that can happen. I lost my husband to brain cancer, and I've struggled the last couple of years because of that. I lost my mother to Hurricane Katrina. I wish she had been here for me to cry on her shoulder after my husband died. So things have not been easy, but I'm not the only person that has a story. There's a lot of stories out there, and a lot of people that would appreciate your time you know if you've got a couple of hours your time there are people that toil away in nonprofits. animal rescues i know for a fact because i volunteered and worked at them they can stretch a dollar faster than and quicker and longer than anyone i have ever seen and i've worked in nonprofits for uh i've worked in about 20 years and excuse me if there's an airplane going overhead from the airport you might hear it Oh, you're okay. There's um, excuse me if there's a toddler running around in the background that occasionally, you know, screams or yells. I was so excited to be able to talk to someone else who gets it, who just you know appreciates a kind act and and has done kind acts herself. That I was like, you know, normally we record in a secluded place and quiet, but I, I'm just going to wing it in my room so I can talk to Thera, so we can maybe encourage others to do random acts of kindness like the one that was bestowed upon her, so. Well, I felt like I owed it. You know, he wasn't going to say anything about it. He probably does this all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure he does. I, as a matter of fact, he wasn't going to say anything, but I wasn't going to keep my big mouth shut. <laughs> no, like, of course. No, because you want to recognize, you know, that he, that guy did something nice for you. I, I wanted people to know that, you know, that, that a lot of people think of, oh, God, there's Hollywood millionaires. Oh, God, there's people that forget where they came from. Oh, they forget how we struggle. They have no idea. Well, you know what? They may not have any idea. And you know what? He may not. No, I bet you he does have an idea. Because I have found out since that he goes into schools with five- and six-year-olds. I, I don't have, know if they have any idea who he is. And he, and he teaches them how to make healthy snacks. Come on, Ludacris. You're the man. I mean, he's a man. He helps kids. He has a foundation. He, he buys people's groceries. And the great thing about, one of the great things about his act that I found really fascinating once I thought about it, is how non-judgmental it was. For one thing, that, uh, that whole food, uh, I was only able to be there. Again, a friend of mine stepped in and gave me a gift card because I, just ha- I had a very, very rough month where a client didn't pay me. And I couldn't afford that, along with getting a new water heater. It was in the thousands of dollars hit I took, and my budget will not hold a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, almost four thousand dollars of a hit in one month. My budget won't do it. I've got four rescued animals in dogs, two rescued cats. 
an, an elderly blind chicken that I've let retire, and I take care of my disabled brother who's a Vietnam vet. I can't keep this house together with that kind of hit. She sent me a gift card to go to Whole Foods. She did me a kindness. I was so grateful, and I walked into Whole Foods, and look at what happened. Look at what what happened. So what I learned is the non-judgmental aspect of it was that was a Whole Foods in a fairly affluent Atlanta neighborhood, pretty far from my neighborhood. I could have been anybody. I could have been a millionaire, too. I mean, in that neighborhood, it wouldn't be out of the question. I could have been possibly homeless. I could have been anything. It didn't matter to him. It didn't matter. Whether he thought I needed it, he had no way of knowing my past. He didn't know my present. He didn't know me. But he he sensed he something, obviously. Anyway. He sensed, for some reason, that someone may need a little help. I mean, he, you know. He, uh, he obviously is pretty in tune with something. I mean, he might have some, you know, some people just have, because they deal with the world on a level where they pay attention, uh, he might have some higher level stuff going on, but not hurt the rest of us to pay a little more attention. I certainly learned, I learned a very humbling lesson. And when I told that story, I told it for my Facebook friends having no idea. I knew they would find it amusing and heartening and, and lovely and kind. I did not know the chord it was going to strike with people. And it's been shared over 11,000 times. And I just thought to myself, if half of those people, you know, if 5,500 people went out right now and did something kind, can you imagine? It would be fantastic. I mean, that's the whole reason we're even talking tonight is just more awareness, more, you know, I'm sure... Chris Bridges, you know, Ludacris's real name. I'm sure he did not, you know, I'm sure he does not want any media attention. And I understand that. He's he's humble and, and we I think we all appreciate that as as fans of him and other actresses and artists and, you know, I'm sure he doesn't want the attention, but at the end of the day, the attention could make other people do these things. Like you said, if 5500 people went out and did a random act of kindness, that would be, you know, it'd just be huge. And we have a small listener base. And I thought if these people could just hear their story and, and if, you know, 500 people could go out and just try to pay it forward, you know, I, it's, it's just a matter of not, not exactly thinking on a grand scale, but just thinking to begin with, just thinking to help someone to begin with. We'll never know how many people go out and, do something kind based off what has happened to you or what has happened to me, but we've got to, we've got to try to inspire other people to do something like that. So, Well, I find that, you know, human to human contact is one of the biggest things. If you've ever noticed how people get all riled up when they get into an argument and everybody gets into it, the kindness factor works the same way. It's very influential. The kindness, people see kindness and it bypasses their brain go straight to their heart, and then they start acting from that. I, I've i seen it, and I have faith in that. I think that is one of the great things about being human is our ability to look up and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do this. I there Again, what my friend said on my Facebook page, there is no small act of kindness. All acts of kindness are big, and you have the power to do that. You have the currency. I said this on TV the other day, uh, my local station came to interview me um, about this. And normally, to be completely honest with you, I'm a writer. 
I prefer to just kind of write and do my thing. I, I don't, it, it, it's not that I am adverse to attention. Everybody likes a little bit of attention, but I, I, this is not about me, which is the main reason I agreed to go on TV, even though I didn't like seeing myself on TV. Women are always weird about that. <laughs> me but too, actually. So. I, I'm always like, oh, God, they're going to make me look sad. Oh, God, you know, is my aunt going to say, why didn't you comb your hair? So, but I went on and I, and I said, it just popped into my head and I said, you know, kindness is one of the most powerful currencies there is because the more you spend of it, the richer you get. Not all currency is like that. Some currency you spend and it's gone, but kindness isn't. The more you spend, the richer you get. No. And people will remember, will remember kindness forever. People don't remember how much their paycheck was three years ago. Boy, you just you you really just nailed something. If you you probably have done kind things for people that you don't even really remember doing, you did it. You were like ludicrous. You did it. You walked out. You went on with your life. Uh, you know, went on with your life and your work and whatever your creativities are. Your, your football, your friends, your family. Uh, mowing the yard you didn't think about it again but i guarantee you that person thought about it and has not forgotten it exactly and and that's and that's the hope when you you know go out and and strive to be you know a better person and to help people get in better situations as you you just hope it continues you, you just hope that it's a spiral effect and it hits more people along the way everything has a ripple effect and it really does our actions really do matter and we this is a time we live in that a lot of people for a lot of different reasons uh and this is really one of the reasons i think that this post hit a chord with people like i said it it wasn't about me per se it's about us all of us and And there's a lot of darkness in the world there's a lot of confusion yeah we can help each other through that who else is going to do it we can help each other through that you know, people, um, whether you belong to a church group or a Boy Scout or you're just a loner who says, I just want to do something nice to people, it's it's right there. You don't even have to get anybody's permission. No, no. And it, and it takes, you know, minimal time to do something kind. And, and the real currency in this life is time. And if you don't use it correctly, you know, you're you're going to have some regrets later on. So if if, if everybody could just realize that this may sound a little selfish, but doing doing something kind for someone else is also rewarding to you. You just don't know it until you try. So, yes, you know, you, you like I said, you you know, you probably don't think about it much again. You you walk away, you do your thing, but you walk away with your head a little higher. You know that you have tapped into that part of humanity that is good that everybody talks about. Sometimes people try to search for, or we look around and we go, "Where is it?" Well, look in the mirror. That is where it is. I am just, I, I knew a lot of this. We all know it on, an, on, a, on a logical or intellectual level. But when Ludacris did that for me, I, I said this in my, on, my, on Twitter, my, my candle was out. It was out. And he, one fell swoop, he fired it up again with his light. And I went, oh, God. And I didn't want to let go of what I had just learned or relearned, or maybe I didn't really know it the way I thought I did. I didn't want to let go of that. I wanted to tell people, and I wanted to say, hey, let's go do something nice for people. I want people to feel like I feel right now. Yes, exactly. 
couldn't have been no, said any what, better. That's the deal. That's what it is, Jeremy. And I'm and I, I want to thank you for doing this uh, broadcast that you do that encourages this kind of thing. It's um, it's a big you know it's a ripple effect that you talk about. It's doing something. It's putting it out there. It's changing the molecules. You're doing a good thing. Yeah, and that's and that's what you know everyone should try is strive to do. I mean, and I I kind of knew just call it a feeling like whenever I saw your picture on that article, it just randomly popped up. I was at work. Uh, I work in banking and I was, you know, trying to help somebody out with a loan and I was on my computer pulling up value for something. And every time I pull up my computer, it goes straight to, uh, I think like Microsoft news or something. And it popped up and I just saw this side by side of, of ludicrous and, and you, and it, you know, it had, I, it, I know it said something about like angel and I was like, and I kind of, it caught my eye and I, and I read it and I thought, wow, that's, you know, that's amazing. Cause I, I love seeing those kind of stories. Cause usually your browser pops up and it's, you know, political, this, uh, hatred, this, you know, mm-hmm. you know, nationalist mm-hmm. group, this, it's always something. And normally I don't even look because I just, it hurts to look sometimes. And the only thing we can truly do about it if we don't have a huge platform is to go help others and to go do nice things. And I saw that and it was right up my alley. I opened it, I read it, pulled up my heartstrings and, and I was like, you know what, you know, I started this podcast for this platform to try to reach strangers, not only to talk about something that I and my co-hosts enjoy, but to also build that platform to also try to do something good. Like all my life, all I've wanted to do was somehow get a platform to do something good. And I've tried many things and this actually has been working to get a platform to try to do good. And, and I appreciate it and I appreciate my co-hosts and I appreciate anyone who's ever came on and talked to us, how the kindness of their heart just, you know, we don't pay people. We can't pay people. We're in the same situation as most people. We don't have a lot. We do. Okay. We have more than we all think. I know that we, we, we may think we don't have much, but when it really comes down to it, could, can we help somebody with five bucks, 10 bucks, buy them groceries, buy them, you know, water? Can we, can we do something like that? Absolutely. And it's not going to hurt any of us. We all have homes. We all have bills. We all pay those. There's people that don't have homes, don't have bills, don't have anything, you know, to stand on. And we've got it. And no, we, there we are forget. people in our country that have recently had everything and lost it. I mean, if, you, if, if you're just going, man, I'm tired, then just get on the internet and, and send five bucks to those wildfire victims in Northern California. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean it's that simple. Whatever you want to do, you know, that's a great thing. There's so many things to choose from. Whatever you want to do. There is. And I knew. I knew when I, for some reason, I knew when I saw that. You know, I was like, I am going to post something about this and surely to God, one person will do something nice today. And lo and behold, Thera responds to the message. I didn't tag her in it. I didn't know she was on Twitter. I I just wanted to bring some recognition that somebody did a good deed and it didn't go unrecognized. And lucky for me, Thera responded to it and I saw the picture. I was like, that is actually that is the very kind lady that rescues dogs that just had kindness done to her. That I believe that's her. I'm going to reach out to her and see if she'd like to spread her message 
you know, a little yeah. farther in a little different place than Atlanta. Well, it's national, I, I believe. But regardless, you know, I, I want people I know to be inspired by this and people I don't know that may follow our show and couldn't have worked out any better. And I just kind of had a feeling when I saw your picture that sometimes you can just tell that someone is genuine and humble and appreciative. And I just kind of saw that. So I really appreciate you coming on and, and telling people your story. Oh, I, it was, it was my pleasure. I, I'm able to do it quite honestly because it just isn't really about me. It, um, I'm just, I'm kind of a messenger and I'm happy to be that messenger because the message is so good. And I thought, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, again, I'm a writer. I'm, uh, I may not sound it, but I'm a little shy, you know, I'm a little, a little introverted. It's been a rough couple of years. And I also sort of just you know, kind of hide out from the world. And so, uh, talking to people I don't know or something like this, normally I'd be like, hmm, I don't know if I can do that. But, uh, yeah, I can do that, especially if I'm talking about something that we all need, which is just some kindness and humanity. Exactly. And I totally understand I mean, what you just said. My sister-in-law is a writer as well. And uh, you, you kind of summed up the way she is with, with those words, introvert and kind of shy and, you know, not trying to stereotype all writers, but but I, I get that, you know. We have our rowdy moments, but we do spend an awful lot of time, whether you guys realize it or not, whether it's the most famous or the most unknown, we spend an awful lot of time, you know, in, in, in our underwear wearing a fedora behind our computer writing. I mean, we're just... <laughs> We just, or you know, and we, and then we're tired, and then sometimes we just can't be around people, and um, so it's just, it's just, it's just a little strange that people are asking me to talk about something, and I thought this is so great that this is something that can be talked about, and that we should discuss more. We should discuss it more, and the more we discuss it, the more you think about it, the more you think about it. You know, every seed you plant, you never know which one's going to really grow. That's very true, and that's. It's the awareness and what we're hoping to do, me and Thera, by, you know, sending this message and this, you know, quick conversation between us out is to, you know, to try to grow that. So if you guys out there listening to the show have anything to give, whether it's time, a few dollars, you know, your love, for God's sakes, do it. Take it, take it from myself and Thera. This, this affected her, this affected me, this it's going to affect more. So go out there and, and help affect more people. You got it, Jeremy. That's exactly what people should do. And I really thank you for uh, caring enough to reach out to me. No, and, it, was, uh, it was my pleasure. It was absolutely my pleasure. I'm wishing my best to you and your family and your audience. And, and you know what? Let's go out there and change the world one act of kindness at a time. Absolutely. Let's do it. Can't do anything can until do you start. Let's so do it. Let's just do it. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Thera. Thank you very, very much. And I hope everything continues to, you know, go well for you and, and you continue to to pay it forward after it was paid forward to you. So thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you may get a friend request here in a little bit because I, I love how genuine you are and how humble you are. And just my name's Jeremy. You might see my name. I'd like to keep in contact and just at least, you know, see what happens in the future for you. And I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. It would be my honor to be your friend on, on Twitter or elsewise. Thank you so kindly. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful night. Thank you again. You too. Thank you. All right.
All right, guys, that was Thera, and uh, at a loss for words, really. She she just sounds like a wonderful human being, and that's uh, that's what we should all be trying to do is is be wonderful human beings. And thanks for listening to this special episode. Here comes I'm going to add the interviews we've done, the guys that have been so kind as to come on the show. And uh, next, I'm going to transition to our first guest, Dan Cummins, hilarious guy, wonderful person, has been really cool to me since I talked to him, and I appreciate him, me, Armsnit, we all appreciate him, we all love his stuff, Time Suck is his podcast, it's wonderful, you can learn stuff and crack up at the same time, so I'm going to play Dan for you, and then uh, a handful more, I'll announce them as we go, thanks for listening to this special episode, here's uh, our episode with Dan Cummins. All right, guys. Uh, we got Dan Cummins on the line, uh, the the great mind from Time Suck, and Dan, welcome to the show again. We didn't do this on you know the recording, but we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us tonight a lot. Oh man, thank you, man. No, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, you know listening to Time Suck and and, and uh, reaching out to me and, and wanting me to be on your show. I appreciate it. Oh yeah. Well, as soon as you went live on Instagram, and I'm like, man, I've I've got to take this opportunity to see if I can get some of the suck on our show. Had to had to jump at it. But <laughs> for, first, man, I, I gotta know. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you go ahead. I, I just gotta know, like, where did you come up with the idea for Time Suck? You know, it, it's funny. It, it came out of uh, absolute failure. Um, I had done a few podcasts before, a couple years ago, several years ago, I guess. And uh, one was called Making Fearless. One was called Fired Up. And, and they were just, I don't know, Fired Up didn't have any structure, really. And Making It Fearless was kind of like the traditional stand-up comics podcast, where it's you and a couple other comics just talking, I don't know, just kind of having conversations. Just BS and uh, back and forth. one of those really kind of took off. And then uh, I was working at Playboy, didn't like the show I was doing really there and wanted to do another podcast. And, uh, and I, did you I, did you just say Playboy? Yeah, yeah, I worked at Playboy for two years. What a terrible job. <laughs> I feel so awful for <laughs> you. The easiest, easiest job I've ever had, where it's like, um, uh, yeah, I hosted a morning show. No, it was like it was like a dream job for uh, 20-year-old me, you know, just like hanging around with like Playboy models and, and doing that. But it, But it also... I really do, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of an artsy kind of person. I like to have my mind engaged. And it was, you know, there was, it was the uh, very, very fluff. Very much, you know, you're not really uh, encouraged to talk about anything of substance. So I, I, I would kind of equate it to, like, whatever your favorite dessert is, it's great to have, you know, every once in a while. But if you, but if you ate it every day for two years, odds are you're like, all right, man, I'm, I'm good on apple pie for a while. <laughs> I, I, I need something with a little more substance. Or simply, I like men now. But, <laughs> but, but um, so I just, I wanted to come up with something that was that I was like passionate about, and I was trying to think of something that I could do for a long time. There's all this pressure in the industry to like have a podcast, be on Instagram, do YouTube videos, do something, and I could never really get into it because I could never think of something I really wanted to do. And so with time suck, I just thought, well, what am I doing already that I like? And basically, my procrastination thing has been just doing deep dives on the internet for years. Where, you know, I should be writing this script, or I should be working on the stand-up, and then instead, I just kind of take a break and just start learning about something I'm curious about, and just click from one article to another to another. And then that was the idea. I was like, well, why don't I just try and do that? And and nobody wanted it. Like, I could not get a meeting. 
was a single podcast network. Uh, Man. Finally got one, and they were so not interested, they forgot I even had an appointment. So when I showed up, they were literally like, why, why are you here? And uh, <laughs> so that didn't go well. And then some other uh, podcast network, CBS, they have their own podcast network now. They thought they wanted to do it until they heard the first episode, and then they dropped me. <laughs> They're just like, I don't know how we marked <laughs> They're like, I don't know how we marked this. It's like, it's just you. You're not interviewing anybody. Um, you know, it's just like you talking about these weird things, and they just didn't get it. Did you try PBS? That kind of fired me up, and I'm like, huh? Did you try PBS? <laughs> <laughs> I, did not, I did not try them. I did not try them. Maybe, maybe. I, well, I'm, I'm glad I didn't try anybody else. After... After CBS let me go, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this myself. So no one's going to get it. I know it's entertaining. I know I know there's something here. So I just kept thinking about, even at Playboy, we're around like these models. I was like, what are we talking about at our cubicles? And we were just talking about weird shit that we found online. <laughs> like some weird, interesting story. <laughs> and I just realized that I've been doing that my whole life. You know, it's the best conversations I've ever had. I've just been around some, I don't know, crazy historical person or some like, uh, interesting concepts as opposed to just kind of, you know, you know, normal kind of fluff conversation. And, uh, yeah, so I just, I just went for it. I just went for it. And just uh, luckily people responded, but I was, I was, I was surprised uh, that people were into it. You know, it took me a long time to realize that this was going to, this was going to last. You know what, Dan, honestly, and I'm not trying to, you know, attach ourselves to you, but that's kind of how the back row show came about. We used to sit around with yeah. beer in front of us and BS about football. Now we do it with a mic in front of us. Right. It's easy. In the yeah, and, and, and that's what you know. You got to do. You got to go with what you're already doing. Go with what you already are passionate about. Because if you don't, it's not going to work. Because you're not going to be into it. You're just going to burn out. Not to mention when you're in your late thirties and have a family, this is really the only hobby right. we can make an excuse for by convincing our wives we're going to make money at this someday. <laughs> So. <laughs> that is that is awesome. No, man, I, I time suck is my excuse just to kind of have my own, you know, kind of uh, me time as well. The studio looks great, by the way. I've kind of been following on Twitter, like each little step of the way you've you've uh, put time into your studio, and it, it's looking good. Oh, thanks, man. We just got the um, vinyl uh, kind of social media wall up today. I saw that. I saw that. The artwork yeah. is beautiful. Got a little oh, Nimrod you, on there. Yeah, they've been doing an amazing job. And then I just uh, got some new tech stuff coming and uh, just hanging up some uh, random artwork. Somebody brought by a literal sword. Uh, nice. So I hung that up. It's bananas. A dude, that, a dude made a sword and brought it to the office. That's pretty awesome. I, the fans are crazy. I mean, I've already seen, yeah, I mean, they're they're into it. I mean, we're into it. I mean, we talk about it amongst ourselves while we're jotting down notes before the show like i'm trying to get arms over here to listen to the kurt cobain episode and he's trying to get me to listen what were you trying to get me the ira episode the ira episode because he's you know a redheaded prick and and (laughs) yeah yeah but why do you hate gingers though that's a real question oh you you know what's funny is i i actually uh uh ginger women i've always uh always been super into me too uh, redheads were always my thing I didn't want to say that totally because my wife is not a redhead. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I've always loved redheads. But I, I love just, um, for some reason, I had a redheaded friend, uh, like a best friend for a while in high school. Been there. And that just became like a running, like just a running joke of just like, 
the redheaded stepchild, you know, gingers, all these. It's, just, it's funny to me that it's like this, all these weird derogatory terms for somebody who just happens to have red hair. You know, I am and, a redheaded uh, stepchild, literally a redheaded stepchild. He looks like he has been. That's a that's a common uh, misunderstanding. Uh, I did have a little bit of an attitude, um, but not that bad. Not that bad. Not that bad. I, I, I love just on some of the things, kind of like in some of the episodes too. I love to just pick a random group that uh, and just mock them relentlessly. Like uh, like my wife is Polish. Oh yeah. It does just crack me up. Like sometimes I just go off on Polish people, like <laughs> to a preposterous degree. And part of me hopes that somebody turns off the podcast before <laughs> I explain that I'm doing it because it's my wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> they just walk away thinking that, like, I'm, you know, pretty cool guy, pretty even-headed about most things, but I just fucking despise the Polish race. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's such a random, <laughs> such a random thing to hate. But they do have so many syllables in their name. You're right. Difficult to pronounce. It is annoying. Yeah, my a lot, of, a lot of ski. You know, it ends in. It's like you know, I get the ski sound at the end, but why does it, why does it have to be like a lot of middle hello ski? You know, like all these crazy consonants to get the ski. Like no no name should be allowed to have four consonants in a row. <laughs> I agree, and they and they should not all sound like they're from the movie Taken. We've seen it too many times. <laughs> exactly. I do I do love how a lot of action movies uh, and like horror movies, like Hostel and stuff, over the years have just uh, made our generation just think that Eastern Europeans are just the sketchiest fuckers on Earth. <laughs> it, just, it does seem that way. Call- <laughs> oh, Lord. So tell us about how you came up with the uh, the viewer. Like, people, you're taking ideas from people who listen to Time Suck, and how are you incorporating uh, their ideas? Are you just picking randomly, or, or, or do you target a certain amount? What's hot that week? What's trending, or what, what's going on there? I try to balance it, I mean, more than anything, honestly. And, and now it's like the, the fans have more control than ever because I've let people do the bonus topics. People just get to vote on those. But, but I do control, like, which three topics I offer up to be voted on. Yeah. But then, but then now uh, two of the Monday topics every month are going to be determined by the, uh, uh, you know, the space lizards or whatever. Uh, the, they actually get to vote through the app. So that's, that's new where they totally get to pick it. Very and, cool. uh, but, but what I've been doing is like, you know, if uh, I get a lot of write-ins about one topic, then that'll push it kind of to the top of the list. And then also, I just try to make it varied. So if I do a serial killer one week, I'm not going to do that the next week. Or if I've done like, well, I actually like how I picked this next week's topic is I realized I had done Branch Davidian, Ed Gein, and then, oh man, I'm trying to remember... There's so many topics. I can't remember the one before, but it was a bunch of crazy dudes in a row, essentially. Yeah, our our part. Yeah, our part-time what? producer. Our part-time producer basically wanted me to ask you, "What's up with all the serial killers?" <laughs> just is that just your topic? Your those, those. I try. I try to space them out, but I, but I but I end up putting a lot in there because I get more requests for those than any other topic by far. Um. But uh, but but that's why I don't try to do like like there's a there's a chunk of the fan base that would just love it if all I did was serial killers. Yeah. But um, but I tried to like space it out and like uh, yeah, if I do a couple wacky dudes in a row, like Alistair Crowley was 
somebody had prepared research on that for me to dive into, and I, and I was going to do that. But then I was like, no, I can't do that because then it would be Ed Gein, David Koresh, and Alistair Crowley, like like three creepy white dudes in a row. <laughs> so, so, I, so I tried to break it up, and I'm doing Tupac and Biggie. So, um, you know, like their, their uh, crazy kind of beef they had, their feud, and how they both died so young in a hail of bullets. Yeah, I like. So I like. Break it that way. I can't wait to hear that one. Yeah, the, I like. I like mixing in the little bit of music history, just as a, or you know, a little breakup. I like it. But I, I do have a request, Dan. I don't know if this is going to catch sure. you off guard or not. But speaking of crazy dudes, how do you feel about doing a future episode on Johnny Gunn? <laughs> yeah, I wish more people knew about Johnny Gunn. Uh, <laughs> Man, I, I, I made those videos in a garage like uh, 13, 12, 13 years ago or something, or 10 years ago or something. And, uh, man, my manager, she still, um, to this day, uh, always says make it happen and keep making it happen. I love it. Being from southern Ohio, Johnny Gunn resonates with us. We actually know that guy. <laughs> yeah, we know a lot of that guy. But, <laughs> serious question. So, so I've... Oh, man, I gotta... I gotta more of those videos that character was too much fun to do. i love him so dan i've lifted weights for 20 years and i gotta know what's johnny gunn bench what's he bench press i feel i feel like johnny gunn is the guy who if you had to watch him bench would bench about 160 to 180 with horrible form okay <laughs> but he, but he would yeah like like crazy arching back but he would tell you uh you know on a good day, 405. <laughs> uh, on a bad day, 385. You're, you're just... That, that, those would be the numbers. Yeah. I, I think I've lifted with that guy. Yeah, his, his name's me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he, always, he always has like, a tight shoulder, you know, or, or strain something. That's the reason he can't lift that much today. And, and, and when he talks about his one rep max, you know, like all time, <laughs> it's always off the charts. But yeah. he's like, he, he did, you know, 515. But that was, that was a couple years ago before he had some rotator cuff issues. Yeah, he's been rehabbing it. Is, is he now just curls for the girls? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Well, I feel like 80% of Johnny Gunn's workout is just barbell curl. <laughs> really focused on the curl. It's for the redheads. Guy, um, he, doesn't do, he, he doesn't really have a leg day. I think legs was part of his initial workout. But it's like he's a dude. I, well, I used to work at a gym many, many years ago. And Johnny Gunn was partially based on this guy who would come in, who he would just come in the gym in jeans, and he had like very skinny legs and jeans, and then he, and a tank top, and he would literally just do so many curls. <laughs> and, he, and he could do he could do pretty heavy curls, but that was like like it, like eighty percent of his workout was biceps, and he just had huge biceps. The rest of his upper body just kind of you know kind of thin, and then like the legs of a man who had you know can barely do a lunge with his own body weight. <laughs> so it is Chad Niddle. It's uh sounds like Obama legs. <laughs> so now I've got I've got a, a serious question for you. So yeah. Do you want to be the Secretary of Education? Cuz I think you could do oh, the job. Oh heck yeah, you could be the Secretary of Education. Just you record whatever needs to be taught in history class and put that out to the schools. You know what's funny is I do think about I don't know I, I, I may do a cleaner cleaner version of Time Suck someday like a sec, like a it wouldn't it, I would still do Time Suck the way I do it but do like a secondary thing that is uh you know 
no profanity just so I could get it into the school. Like, cause I have had teachers say that they would love to play it from the classroom, but obviously you can't be talking about a limp through a ditch, uh, you know, in the eighth grade history, whatever. But, but I do think it's a bummer the way our school system is that, you know, like, I remember my uh, teachers talking about history, and it was fucking boring. It was super, super boring. Oh, yeah. The way they would present it, it would, it would be fascinating information and the most painful presentation ever. And, and it is a bummer that people get so worried about, like, you know, an F-bomb here, an F-bomb there, or a little bit of uh, too much truth here. Where it's like, if we actually did it in a more raw way that relates to, you know, younger people, and I think more people in general, people would learn more. They'd pay attention. But, right, exactly. But, but you get these people, it kills me. Every once in a while I get these emails of like, of like, well, why do you have to, why do you have to curse though? Why do you have to build it up kind of thing? And it's like, dude, what are you, are you fucking nine years old? <laughs> baby? No. You can't, what, you're offended by a, a word, by an F-bomb, you child? How like, did they get through the first two minutes of your show to find out what you were talking about if they were offended by a cuss word? What did you say? I said, how did they get through the first two minutes of your show to find out they would be offended by everything else you said? Oh, <laughs> right, 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 exactly. I'm just, I'm just amazed by these people who, you know, there's like famine going on, there's war, but, but what they're concerned about is talking about a limp dick or, you know, talking about the word fuck. It's like, really? Like, that's, that's what you're going to choose to be upset about in life? It's like, what what is the big deal? I'll, I'll never truly understand why so many people allow themselves to be so easily outraged. Now, I can honestly... It's worse than ever as on, well. I can honestly say, Dan, I feel really like... Is. I feel like your presentation of how you do this, how you do Time Suck, is... It's enthralling. Yeah. Like you, we can't turn it off. And if that was put out oh, into schools, I mean, it, the kids. Honestly, and I'm not trying to blow your head up here, uh, but kids would be smarter with this presentation because every time I tune into one, it's like, oh, I wanted to learn about the IRA a little bit. Heck yeah! And I'm smarter right. because I listen to it. Oh, thanks, man. That makes me feel good. You know, it's like. Uh... I just felt like, you know, part of the inspiration to do it, too, was uh, I was listening to these academic-type podcasts before I did Time Stuck, and they just, they came across so pretentious, and they came across where it's like, you know, using nothing but big Scrabble words and a very kind of NPR monotone presentation where I'm like, I get that that's great for a certain segment of the population, but I feel like there's a much bigger portion of the population that's being done a disservice that way where it's like, why can't we talk in a real kind of blue collar-ish, you know, everyday, every man kind of way about these same things? Why does it always have to be like this college professor type presentation? It's like, no, man, it's just all history is is fucking life. Yeah. It's just real people like like us, you know, that went through some crazy shit, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's like, especially you go back to the medieval times, it's like, what? I'm supposed to talk about Vlad the Impaler sticking a stitch uh, up someone's ass? <laughs> I'm not supposed to drop an F bomb. Yeah, that's third man. History was bloody and brutal. Let's talk about it in a real way. Yeah, and and not to mention when we sit around in an office setting or you know just a personal setting or a bar with our friends, we don't we don't talk about today's events like in that NPR setting. We don't say yes, Donald Trump today had a 
uh, cue card where he read little simple things. Like, we cuss right. about it, and we get excited about it, and we debate about yeah. it, and it makes it much more interesting. I There's, there's just no room for monotone boringness, in my opinion, when it comes right. to any aspect of life, whether it be learning or, you know, just communicating. Like, make it interesting. Exactly. And I will say, like, regarding, like, what you guys do with the podcast as well, it's like passion is contagious. Yeah. Like, you know, it really, truly is. You know, if you guys are passionate about, you know, fantasy football and the, and the, and the specific type of fantasy football that you guys, you know, like, work in, that will, other people will just, they'll catch that. And, and you know, and, and even, even people who have, like, a casual interest in it will be, suddenly have a strong interest because of the passion. Yeah, you know, and I feel like that's what uh, that's why I think times like resonates. But it, it's you know, it's if I was talking about the same thing, even in the same way, but I seemed like I was kind of checked out, then it wouldn't work. Yeah, passion and but, enthusiasm you know, like, go a long way. Yeah, in, interest just interest creates interest. You know, it's like uh, if you're interested, other people can be interested. Yeah, I mean, when when you do some of the when you do some of the. Uh, reenactments i guess of, of some uh, like you know teddy motherfucking roosevelt when, when you make the voices right. of some of the people you know in that time like dude they're so good the voices are so good it just adds so much flavor to it i need some grits <laughs> oh thank you my, my ira my irish accent that that one is the one i wish i could take back that was the one no i tried to do a serious irish accent that was it great came out, it came out like south african <laughs> that was that was gold I mean, I've got some Irish blood in me, hence being a ginger. I mean, you you nailed it. Now, the one thing I I, I got to know though, are are you going to start a movement to get the unicorns out of the sex trade? Are there are, are there what? Are you going to start a movement to get the unicorns out of the sex trade from the IRA episode? Oh, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I I, I feel like there's, you know what. I don't, I don't know what kind of ethics I'm supposed to have over a uh, mythical creature. So I, I personally am I personally am fine allowing the unicorns to uh, dwell in the uh, underground sex trade. Uh, and if I can get you know if I can get my hands on some sweet leprechaun meat, uh, you know I'm gonna enjoy it. Oh yeah! How fun would it be to eat a magical creature? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it may be slightly cannibalistic, but I would totally eat some leprechaun ribs. You you may you sold oh, it. This is the story. Yeah, what a, what a great tale to tell, you know? Like, what's the best steak you ever had? Ah, you know, le- leprechaun ribeye. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of interest, man, this uh, Flat Earth this flat earth tour got me interested. Do you want to talk a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah, you know, uh, it's become a big chunk of my new stand-up. It's just um, uh, talking about flat earth. We're really kind of taking from time stuff. Just, just talking about the interesting time we live in where – there is the most knowledge available that there has ever been in human history and the most easily accessible knowledge. But now we're choosing to believe in ignorant stuff like flat earth, like where to me that just the flat earth just represents just uh, the most stubborn form of ignorance where, you know, we live, we live in, a, in, a, in a time when you can watch a two minute YouTube tutorial made by an accredited scientist with credentials you can easily fact check online to come from legitimate sources, you know, who explained in two minutes or less in the simplest possible terms why the earth has to be round for life as we know it to function. 
Yeah. And yet there is a giant portion of society that's just like, no, I don't like it. I got my own sources. <laughs> I watched a, a flat earth video made by a guy with a ponytail and a power crystal. He seems legit as shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we need those. You know, just like, that's where we need those IQ tests for uh, to, to be able to reproduce, right? Oh, exactly. No, for, for, for real. Where it's like, there is, we're entering a new kind of era of ignorance. Where, like, historically, people were ignorant because they had no other choice. Right. Like if, if you were a medieval peasant in 12th century Europe, you know, you're not born into nobility, you're not wealthy, you're going to be born dumb, and you're going to stay dumb. Because no one's teaching your peasant ass shit. Yeah, you know, there's there's no you know Rudy type stories of like, but father, I don't want to toil in the fields. I want to learn to read. So it's like, it's like, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I want indoor plumbing, but there I squat every morning, shitting in the vegetable garden. I'll get back to it. <laughs> yeah, there was no like rising above. You just, but but now we're in this weird place where there's endless opportunities to improve yourself and to learn. And you don't have to. You don't have to be going to. You don't have to go to school. You know, it's like there's just. You don't have to learn to read. No. You can just watch videos. And and here we have by educated people. We have a guy who went to Duke yeah. University, makes millions of dollars a year, thinks the Earth's flat. In Kyrie Irving. Right. Ugh. Right. Right. Well, and that's that's a sad commentary on, you know, like he he went to Duke University with an asterisk. You know, like, <laughs> he was part of their college. <laughs> Yeah, I guarantee he didn't have to pay attention in class. Well, so somebody was, you know, quote unquote, helping him with his studies. Yeah, I may offend my two cohorts next to me, but on the topic of you know the ignorance and you know whether you agree or not, I have to throw it out there. I mean, we are living in a world where we have the white president Camacho from Idiocracy. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> where we where we where we have what the the white president Camacho from Idiocracy. I mean, that's kind of where we're at. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, it, it is, uh, you know, it is crazy. And, and, and I'm one of these people, I don't, I don't actually think Trump is dumb. I think he's very clever. I think he I think he knows that playing dumb in certain ways works for his base. That's actually and a good just, theory. Um, but, that, but that makes me just kind of angry and sad. And, and, again, I say this, like, uh, not to be politically neutral, it's true, I didn't like the other choice in our election either. Nor did I. Like I was like a big, you know, rah rah Hillary. But um, you know, to me, I felt like she was just kind of, you know, very much part of the establishment, and things weren't going to be worse with her, but they weren't really going to get better either. So I get why people voted for Trump, but I feel like, man, he's just uh, he's he just uh, he is disgracing the office in a way that we haven't seen before, with just like. Uh, the kind of schoolyard bully way he treats other foreign leaders, and uh, and you know, and other members of Congress. I've never, I've never seen a president like talk so much shit about <laughs> the other people on Capitol Hill. Like it's pretty insane. Like he just, he, he is just like, yeah, the rich kid that like showed up in the White House, and he's like, you know, if you don't want to play the way I want to play, then why don't you go fuck yourself? Like I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it is. It's fascinating to watch in a way. Like, it, it would be funny if it was another country. Yeah. It's a bummer that it's up. Yeah, it is. It is unfortunate. Maybe maybe since The you know the Rock and other celebrities have talked about it, maybe we can just throw out on the show Dan Cummins 2020. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Are, are you interested? <laughs> no, I mean, I'll I, vote for you. You know, you know what? You know what? <laughs> you know what I, 
know what I think we're learning with him? Somebody mentioned, like, oh, well, what if Oprah were to run? And I'm like, no. No more celebrity. Yeah. How about we, like, it's crazy where it's like, you know, uh, with business, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't, uh, like, if you had, like, a, uh, a machinist kind of, or uh, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, uh, I don't know, some, some ceramics factory. Just some cer- random ceramic factory. You wouldn't take a guy who had 20 years of experience in a taco stand. <laughs> you, you would be like, no, no, man. He's been working on tacos for 20 years. Let's put him in charge of, uh, you know, making all the ceramics here. Whatever. <laughs> hey, man, he's had a job. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's like, no. You, you need experience, or you know, in that field. But with, but when it comes to running the most powerful nation in the world, you know, we're like, I don't know. He had a, you know, this person has a reality show. Let's give them a chance. <laughs> you know, like with Oprah, it's like, oh, no, she has her own network. Let's put her in charge of uh, weapons. It's like, what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Put somebody, find a better politician. Like, find, like I am a believer in, like, find somebody with uh, the right resume in that field and let them run things. So that's what they've been dedicating their life to. You yeah. Know? Don't put uh, Kanye or, you know, some Kardashian in charge. That's when we know we've hit the, we've hit the end. If, if a Kardashian becomes president, <laughs> I, I feel like... That's, that's, time that's time to get my visa ready. <laughs> I would move to Canada, but I have a feeling we would be taken over by Canada shortly after. Yeah. <laughs> right. What? What if that would be the ultimate craziness? Is that like, what if like Kim Kardashian became president and then somehow also conquered the world? <laughs> like, was, was the great, was the greatest ruler ever? Like, ah, oh, okay, didn't see that coming. Yeah. Kim the Impaler. <laughs> I, All this does go back to the education stuff, though, where it's funny where, you know, just like people want to believe in flat earth um, because they watch a YouTube video and they just, in their brain, they're like, well, I saw, you say there's this science, but there's this other video that says this other thing and they're both videos. So, you know, they both seem legit. Like people don't understand quality in a certain way anymore. They just, they're like, well, yeah, there's a science video over here, but this guy with the ponytail and the porch crystal he also made a video, so his opinion matters. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what like, like reality stars. They're like, yeah. well, that's a person saying things that I like, so why not put them in charge? Yeah, I, I think like, it makes our no. uh, our country's motto is now, I saw it on Facebook. Right. Yep. Oh. Yeah, there's no, yeah, that's a weird, I talk about that in, my, uh, in the Flat Earth Tour right now. I reference that, where it's like, people get their news from Facebook. That is terrifying. You know, like... <laughs> Where, where your aunt, who never left the house, uh, she's been an adult for 25 years, and still lives at home, you know, uh, still calls mom, you know, mommy. She's one of the dumbest people you've ever met. But on Facebook, she's an important investigative journalist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope we get to see that. I, I hope we, we see that you're going to be in Cleveland on March 22nd through the 24th, I believe. Oh, yeah, man. Which is really exciting because that's yeah, kind of not completely our area, but if we're going to make a show, that's that's going to be where it's at. So we're excited to try to make no, that, that one. That, oh, I hope you do, man. Hilarious is one of the best clubs in the country. Uh, the guy that runs it, this old, uh, I shouldn't say old, old, but this older Greek guy named Nick, and he's one of those personalities, like he's like the mayor. Like everybody knows Nick. You know, he owns the place, he runs the place, but he'll also like come and stop by people's tables and see how their meal is. And it's just like old school in the best ways. And that is, uh, yeah, that's quickly become one of my favorite clubs in the country. Yeah, Hilarities has a reputation amongst comics for just being one of the best clubs out there. 
Very cool. That's awesome. I think we got to go now. Yeah, I'll be halfway there. I'll, the bed, the, I'll be in Columbus that week. Side, so. is there, is, there is a lot of Polish subhumans. <laughs> you got to lock the car. you got to avoid eye contact. Uh, and don't have too many drinks at the bar. You can get one of those Polish freaks pregnant and have some kind of you know, monster of a child. <laughs> so that's, that's the negative. Uh, uh, so, Dan, Dan go by, ahead. by chance, do you play fantasy football? You know, I, I have. I haven't had that much time this last year. I only played. Two, I played two leagues this last year, um, but uh, I didn't do the kind of league that you guys do, where the, where the defensive players have individual points. Um, yeah. you I looked us up. Standard PPR. Yeah, I, I just did standard PPR format uh, in, in both leagues. I was the commissioner of one family league, but it was kind of a joke. Like I'd say a third of the family just like didn't pay attention they drafted and then just went on autopilot for the whole year oh call us up we'll, we'll be your fill-in owners next year <laughs> perfect perfect now, i do i do like it i uh i was mad i made it to the championship game in both my leagues this last year and i was so pissed off uh todd Gurley just hammered me in both games you put up like 44 points or some nonsense yeah, same thing happened to me, and I lost the title game to our league's version of the Patriots, the evil one, and he he, he beat my ass with Gurley. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, man, Gurley, man, he, he, just went, he just went on fire the last three, four weeks. It was perfect timing for fantasy playoffs, that's for sure. Yep, yep, but, uh, but I mean, you know, it is fun, though. And uh, that's pretty cool what you guys do. Like, explain to me really quick, and then I, and then I do have to hop off here but um how does the defensive points work uh in your guys' league um I, I mean basically it is uh points per tackle so i mean who, do you have a favorite football feet or favorite football team dan you know not, i mean not really my son loves the Bengals uh randomly wow yeah so i kind of follow them a little a little bit through him he's okay. like he, he picked the Bengals like on his own like five years ago and he stuck with them. So, so I kind of followed them a little bit. Okay. So if Vontez Burfecht of the Bengals, you know, made yeah. five yeah. tackles in a game, uh, you know, he gets like point and a half per tackle. I mean, it's the same as offensive players. They're just scored on their tackles, you know, pass deflections, sacks, interceptions. Um, basically, that's the gist of it. It, it, makes, it makes being in a league and drafting a team, you have to be – Almost time sucky, and in your knowledge, you have to dig deep into the books and look for, uh, you know, defensive players and sleepers, and you just have to have more knowledge of the game. Right. So, gotta gotta pretty, get the cool. suck in on it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. You, you can pick defensive players from various teams, right? Yes. That's the thing too. It's like you're not stuck with the Bengals team. You can have a middle linebacker from this team and a cornerback from that team, right? Absolutely. Wow, that that is cool, man. For like the um, for people who are like you know more more knowledgeable in football, I mean that adds a lot of variables. Yeah, it does, and it just makes who, it more fun. Who who is the main defensive point getter uh, this past season? Oh God, um, C.J. Mosley. Yeah, see, they, there it was really close between three or four different linebackers, but like C.J. Mosley, Bobby Wagner of the Seahawks, Blake Line, Martinez. Yeah, linebackers are the bread and butter, just like running backs, you know, are for okay. offense. Then you got to get your sack you know, getters, you your Joey like, Bosa. Like, like, like with the, with the RB, do you have two linebackers, kind of like an RB one, RB two? We have do two linebackers. We in our in our leagues, we do three, uh, kind of like the wide receiver position in most leagues. Like it's three linebackers, two uh-huh. defense. Two defensive linemen, 
and uh, two or three defensive backs. So. Oh, cool, cool, man. Well, that, that's that's fun, man. Uh, that's awesome, and and, that, and that's cool. That you guys, you know, have good chemistry and are passionate about it, and uh, yeah, we love it. Yeah, and I hope you guys. Uh, and we're three guys that, you know, have known each other for a long time. And so the friendship, you know, factor comes into play and makes it a lot more fun. And we actually wanted to set out and make a a, a podcast about fantasy football that was not boring and mundane, which a lot of them are very monotone and straight to the point and facts. And, and we're like, you know what? We're going to take the Dan Cummins route and we're going to go on the air and, and talk about some other shit besides just fantasy football. <laughs> I love that. I love that. No, I hope you guys are... Uh... I mean, yeah, it looks like you guys are doing well, right? You're getting uh, some ratings. and Yeah, it's uh, getting better. We're only a couple months in, and, you know, we've got a great guy like Dane Cummins on the phone, so it's working out well so far. <laughs> oh, well, I'm flattered, man. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, yeah, hit, hit me up again down the road. If you, if you guys uh, have any questions, I'll, I'll do my best to get back uh, with any, any knowledge I have about equipment or you know just whatever okay we we appreciate it we might do a listeners league dan do you want to be in it you can you can co-own with one of us i i have i have to put down a maybe i I want to say yes but i've been bad lately but i'll say yes in situations like that and then it'll come up and i'll realize i I literally have no time so i don't don't want to be the family member that i couldn't stand in my league be be checked out so i'll I'll see once once you get hit me up when he's close to draft time and, uh, and I'll see how uh, how organized my, my kind of life is, if it's chaos or not. Sounds great. Well, we appreciate you taking the time tonight and talking to us a little bit. It's been great chatting with you. And, uh, again, appreciate it. We'll keep listening to the show, and we'll spread the suck for you the most that we can. Thanks for coming on, Dan. We highly, highly oh. appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys so much, man. Uh, I, really, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to have me on. Hey, love it. Our pleasure. Thanks, Dan. All right, have a good night. Thank you, you too. All right, then we were lucky enough to have Chase Litton on the episode, former quarterback for Marshall, current quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. We love this interview as well. Enjoy this one. All right, guys, I got Chase Litton on the line, quarterback for Marshall and uh, 2018 draft, NFL draft prospect. How you doing tonight, Chase? Good. I'm doing really good. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, no, we appreciate it. We appreciate you taking time out of your evening to uh, – to talk to us and and one of the things uh you know that excited us is uh we're in southern ohio pretty close uh to the west virginia line you know we we frequent huntington we've been to mardi gras a time or two uh i think that's huntington isn't it or is it charleston charleston cross lanes yeah yeah um but yeah we're glad to have you on the show we appreciate it man and the uh the first thing i i gotta ask just because it, it had to be exciting uh, what uh, what was the combine experience like for you? Uh, you know, it was good. Um, there's a lot of things that you know people don't see. Um, you know, I, I there there was there was one time you know I woke up at at three fifteen, uh, sprinted downstairs to the lobby to to go take a drug test. It didn't start till four, so I'm oh thinking I wake goodness. up at three fifteen. I'll get there early, and there's fifty people in front of me, and. Oh. Uh, you know, at, at three o'clock in the morning, you, you didn't think anyone else was having the same idea as you, but you know that wasn't fun. Uh, so you had to go take that test, and then I had like a thirty-minute nap after that, and then I had about a sixteen-hour day. Uh, you know, you're just going through hospital visits, and they're pulling and tearing on your body, seeing if you're okay. And you know, I mean, it's 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 what you got to do, uh, you know, to do it. But uh, it's obviously not 
you know, recommended. It's not everything that everybody wants to do. It's not, you know, out there running 40s and that. But, you know, I had a great time. I got to meet some really good people, really good coaches, and really just thought I had a, had a pretty good performance. Yeah, yeah, everything uh, looked good. I mean, it's uh, it, it's rare to have a guy of your size and stature that, that can wing the ball like you do. And move. You're uh, you're a little more athletic than most of the quarterbacks out there running the four eight seven. So that's uh, that's, <laughs> yes, that's always nice. Always nice to see a little bit of mobility in a big guy like you. Yeah, you know, and you know, there, there's some times on film you can see it. There's some times you can't. Um, you know, there, there's so many plays I could have made more on with my feet. You know, after I look at the film and, and broke it down throughout the season, and later on in the season, I made more and more because just got got more comfort. You know, what I'm saying got more comfortable. You got got out in the comfort zone and. And really just had to realize I had to make some more plays with my feet. So, uh, you know, it was fun that I was allowed to show that I could run <laughs> yeah, and that's a little a, bit. And that's an exciting thing too, man, because it's, you know, the combine is a lot of measurables and a lot of athletic ability, and, and we all, you know, already know that you have that. Uh, but to even get there, you know, you, you got to put in the work, and obviously you've put in the work uh, to, to make it that far and to get there and to be a prospect. And, uh, you know, that I think you – all those guys, yourself included, deserve a little uh, pat on the back for that too. It's not all athleticism; yeah. it's hard work, it's intangibles, it's it's mental, and you know it's a lot of work. Like you said, like, getting up at three fifteen a.m. and and going <laughs> through the rigors of all that. I mean, that's you know, I really like I really like that you just said that. And you know, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of young kids out there. There's a lot of older people who've played the sport. Um, you know, who may not even fully understand what you really just said is is hard work is, is that's that's the only thing in life you know that you can control is how, how hard you step in how hard you go do something how hard you know what I'm saying your effort you know only you can control that and you know i really have tried taking a lot of pride in that and taking pride in even with being around younger guys or younger kids or you know people who are trying to play the game and, and want to play the game at the next level at the highest level is man you just got to work hard you know it's not going to Nothing in life, man. You wake up one morning, your life's going to be the same. You know, football doesn't need us. You know, regardless, they're going to be able to play that 2018 season, you know, without any of us coming out of this draft class. So you just, I'm glad you said that about the hard work. And, you know, uh, I feel like a lot of people, you know, take that part for granted. Yeah, and, and they shouldn't. I mean, me and both my co-hosts here, like we all three manage businesses and, and, and we work to get there. I mean, obviously, any kind of athletic ability or, or just street smarts didn't get us there alone. I mean, you got to put in the work and, you know, just yeah, just from right. us to you, like we know you're a guy from Tampa uh, that decided to go to Marshall, and uh, but being a guy that decided to come over to Marshall and you're close to us and and you've put in that hard work to get where you're at and have this chance at the NFL draft and to go to the combine, uh, just being this close to to Marshall and following your you know your college career, you know we're proud of you, man. Uh, we wish you the best of luck and and hope that. Uh, you go to the right team and and you work hard for them and and make it work and we're excited to watch the experience. Yes, sir. You know, no, thank you. We're and, close. You know, it's always fun again. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm in the Tampa International Airport the other day and I mean there's there's like eight to ten green Kelly green shirts and they're just down here for vacation and it's just funny to see people like that. Marshals everywhere. That's got to feel good and, too. And, yeah, I loved it. You know, I, I walked up to them. They 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 didn't know me from a, a can of paint. <laughs> they they didn't, you know, us wearing helmets and everything. They had no clue who I was. But I just wanted to I introduced myself. I was like, listen, uh, you know, I, I really I really love you guys for wearing these shirts. <laughs> but uh, I just had to let them know it's always go hurt and and it'll always be that way. You know, uh, we're we're so close to Marshall. We actually still we get in state rates. Like that's how close we are to West Virginia down here in Southern Ohio. <laughs> um, but you know, you you 
you're in a long line of you know quarterbacks who definitely performed well at Marshall and then went on and had some success at the NFL. I think Chad Pennington, Byron Leftwich. You know, what's it like to be able to you know have to follow in footsteps of those kind of legends? Yeah, I mean those guys paved the way, and that's another thing that people don't realize is man, like without guys like that, you know, without guys who have been that successful at that level in college at Marshall and to be able to do the same thing in the NFL, man, those guys are the reason. You have guys who look up to that. You have you have younger kids who, who always want to be that guy. And, you know, without guys like that, without the people before us, how would we ever know, like, the right way to do it? Who would we know to go to to pick their brain? Who would we know, you know, to watch their journey and, and, and take the pros and cons from their journey to, to help yours? And so, um, again, you know, I mean, those guys, to see them, just to, to talk to Chad throughout the combine and, and to work out with Coach Lefkowitz, whether it was at the pro day, whether it was at, uh, you know, meeting – for for the Cardinals or, you know, when I worked out with him at the combine. I mean, just to just to be able to have a guy, you know, who it's, it's not just football. You know, it's not just, oh, if you don't go throw this eight and put it on his helmet, you know, we're not going to talk to you. It's not like that, man. You know, they, 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 they're they good people. And when, when you find good players who are good people, I mean, it's just it's just a wonder to be around. Because not only can you pick their brain about sports, you can pick up about life, you know, ways to do this, ways to do that. And so, you know, I've been lucky enough to have uh, – the, those Marshall greats in front of me reach out and support me throughout this process. Now, I, I do awesome. have a question for you. Do, have you met a guy named Pete Woods? He was a center for you uh, for a national championship team you guys had. Um, no, sir. I don't. I don't believe so. He was a coach of mine in high school. It's the reason why I was asking. Uh, he proudly sports his um, national championship ring right before you guys made that jump to uh, Division One. That's the reason why I ask. He's a great human being. You ever get the pleasure to meet him? Uh, I promise you, you'll you'll really enjoy his you know his company. Oh, uh, well, I bet I will. Especially especially a big offensive lineman, man. Those guys are crazy. <laughs> he called, especially from West Virginia, probably big old boys, hometown he, oh, boys. Yeah, yeah, big old country guy. Yeah, we were. <laughs> The offensive line he referred to us as the mules made us bring a lunchbox to work every day. It was yes, bring that pale, bring that pale lunchbox. Listen, I know all about it. I I I love that. I love that. That's the thing. You know, those, those guys are the hardest working guys, the smartest work, smartest group on the team. Man, those, those guys are the whole heart and soul of every single football team. Man, and people people on the outside in don't don't understand that. Yeah, trust me. I, being a linebacker and a lineman in high school, I was nowhere near any sort of you know big college prospect or anything. But very underappreciated job. You know, it's it's glad. Yeah, to, it's it's yeah, nice to yeah, see sir. a quarterback of your profile appreciate what you have in front of you, protecting you every day. Oh yeah, and no matter how you know good you are and athletically gifted, I mean, w- without good guys in the trenches to to help you out, I mean, you know, some guys have have had the ability and the work ethic and. And sometimes you get behind uh, the wrong group of guys, and, and it can just make everything go south. So it's good to hear. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, appreciation. you see all time greats, like you know, you see all time greats like Marino. You know, never have a ring. You, you know, what I mean, it's not obviously. You hit me there. Sorry. I'm a Dolphins fan, man. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. No, 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 no. You're good. It's good to hear Marino. I'm a big Dolphins fan, and and uh, to hear you say Marino just made my heart tingle a little bit. So Chase, do you have a? Which obviously I know that you're going to be happy with any team who you know gives you an opportunity. But Sorry about that. You're all right. You're you're fine. Uh, like I said, you'll be happy with any team that gives you the opportunity to compete. But do you have a, a favorite Man, just, team, a team you grew up with? Uh, you know, I grew up in Tampa. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of a lot of buddies who are diehard Tampa fans, and always used to ta- uh, talk trash, like you know, hoping to. <laughs> 
you know, they weren't happy and, and you know what I'm saying, and talking all that crap after that. But, uh, you know, I'm not really a huge – I'm a football guy, man. I watch football. I watch, you know, good players play. That's that, that's really what uh, always intrigued me. You know, I always grew up watching 18 and watching the success he had and how good he was and, and how he was a pro on and off the field. And, man, I, I always look up to Peyton Manning, you know, that, that guy, everything he's done. Um, so I guess you could say I was a Colts fan. <laughs> But uh, I, d- I just watched good football, and I enjoyed good football. And you sound like you're a student of the game more than anything. Obviously, you're a hard worker. You're a great athlete. Um, you know, I've said it a million times. It seems like there's not 32 people walking the planet that are NFL quarterbacks. But, you know, being a student of the game is a very important aspect of that. And to, to model yourself after arguably the smartest quarterback to ever play the game, like that speaks volumes to me. And something you said a minute ago um, – you know, you watched the tape, you said, oh man, I could have made a play with my legs there. And to change yourself, you know, to adjust the way you play to help you be a better athlete, a better teammate, and hopefully a better pro, you know, that's something that's going to get you real far, you know, in the NFL. Yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of guys, you know, again, uh, take this part for granted. When I say that, you know, we, you, always, you always preach and preach, hey, get in the film room, study this, you know, say if we're about to play – you know, NC State this week, you know, get in there, watch NC State. But you got to watch yourself, man. You got you to go back and watch the game that you just played in. You got to watch the practice you just had. And, and why I say that is because there's so many little tendencies that people can catch on. I mean, there's tendencies that we caught on from the offense looking at the defense, so I know it's the same for them looking at us. So, I mean, whether it's every time it's a pass, uh, you know, you, you lead a certain way, or maybe if it's a run play, you touch your towel before. Like, you just got to – it's little things you got to study. And because – especially at this next level, man, because everybody's good. Everyone's very good. You know, there's not bad players in the NFL. And the thing is, they're so good that, you know, they study the film. And, and, and it's crazy because how talented they are but how smart they are as well. So you got to really – like, that's, that's the most important part of this football game, man, is, is a student of the game. And, I mean, you look at Tom Brady. He's not throwing the ball 80 yards like, like Josh Allen. You know, that's not – and I'm not comparing the two, but I'm just saying that Tom Brady is a typical 100%, you know, you, you just preached it, bring in the lunch pail, come to work every single day, and be the greatest every single time. And that, that's why people claim him as the greatest. That's why I say he's the greatest. That's why, you know, it's because of production, because of wins. And, you know, it doesn't take – you have to run a 4-4 to do that. It doesn't take you to be able to throw the ball 80 yards to do that. you got to win. you got to have one more point on the board than the team across from you does. And that's all that matters. And so, again, when you look at guys like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, you know, they're winners. You know, they're not just really good quarterbacks. They're winners. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll take the, the winner uh, category over anything else. So, I mean, we have, we have literally we have literally talked about that on this show multiple times just going through the draft process. I mean, and we're not going to knock any quarterback coming into the draft. Every, every, every guy deserves to be there. You know, every guy's got the oh, ability. Oh, 100%. And, and has put in the work, but you know, you you see guys like, you know, yourself and and a, and a Baker Mayfield and and guys like that that you just see that extra little bit of wanting to win and lead their team. It's not just about going out there and putting up a bunch of stats. It's it's being a winner and one of the win. Yeah. And kind of you don't have to be a mobile quarterback, but you're mobile. You're a quarterback who can be mobile. You know, take that off. Take the numbers off the page. What did he do to change the game? You know, uh, to me and. It, we've kind of analyzed throughout the NFL who was successful in college and who had a losing record, you know, their junior and senior year of college. And typically speaking, if you don't win in college, you're not going to win at the NFL level. 
You know, and that's something yeah. that we can't knock you on for sure because you're a win- you've been a winner, and you know, I if given the right opportunity, I couldn't see anything less than you continuing that trend at the next level. Yeah, you know, there's you know, there's some games. You know, my sophomore season, we we I didn't play well enough. You know, I had again, if you look at it like this, look at my freshman year to my sophomore season, I had better stats. I had better stats from my sophomore season to my junior season, but that doesn't mean anything. You know, we were last in the league in rushing. And when I say last in the league in rushing, it's not because of our running backs or our O-line. You have to be able to throw the ball. You have to be able to spread out the offense. You have to be able to do everything. You can't just be one-dimensional. You know, when I had to change my role from a sophomore to junior, you know, my, my, my passing touchdowns went down. Um, you know, I had, had a bit more turnovers. And, you know, I'm trying to make plays. And, and when, I, when I'm able to go from a sophomore who I'm, I'm taking five-step drops in the, in the shotgun and I'm just throwing it to my, my, junior, my junior year where – I have the keys. If I see certain things, I'm allowed to check out of it. You know, we last year we came off of we had two backs rush for over 800 yards. One was a freshman. Um, I mean, we had so much team success. We had three true freshmen on the, on the offensive line with a sophomore center. We had three true freshmen, a sophomore center, and a junior left guard. Wow! Like all those, yeah. You know, those aren't these aren't guys who are fifth year seniors. You know, these aren't guys who have started all four. These are guys who are young guys, but you know, they're so good, but they're even better students. And when I say better students is, you know, I was allowed to, if I wanted to check, I, I was allowed to check anything I wanted to check. And so when I say that, when I, when I look at to my right and I see Tariq Adams, who's the 18-year-old right tackle starting against NC State, you know, Bradley Chubb is about to go to be a top five pick and then B.J. Hill and all them who are all going to get drafted. You know what I'm saying? He, he takes it and he, and he listens to me and he says, all right, listen, he, uh, Chase, just check this. We're going to do this. And it's just, it's just communication. It's teamwork. That's all it ever is, man. You know, we, did, we didn't have a better line this year than we did last year. We just communicated better. You know, we knew, we knew the game more. And that all comes from experiences and reps. That's, that, that's really it. Yeah, and like you said, uh, it, it's not all about the stats and you, you know, throw them for this or throw them for that. You, you get to also, you know, when you are willing to change your game like that from freshman to sophomore season, you get to take pride in what you're helping to create uh, you know, with the defense's fear of your arm, with helping those guys hit 800 yards rushing a piece, and and helping those linemen to learn different assignments, or you know, you you checking out of something, and and you have to you have to appreciate that as well. I mean, it sounds like you do, and it's it's comforting to hear that you know it wasn't all a stats game, and it wasn't it wasn't Madden on the field. You know, you're out there to help your guys, yeah. and and turn yeah. they're going to help you. You weren't trying to get yours; you were trying to win a game. No, oh, man, we just wanted to win. Uh... If you find a player who says they don't want to win, then, then I guess you just don't talk to them. They're probably not <laughs> so, at the I mean, combine with you. so. Exactly, man. You you got to – and it, it's a culture, man. It, it starts with the team. You know, coaches can't sit there and – a coach can sit there and, and preach, preach, and preach. But, you know, if, if, if the guys inside the locker room don't change the culture, then the culture will never change. You know, it, and it takes, the, it takes the vets, it takes the young guys, it takes everybody on the team to sit there and to adapt and buy in you know that's what we did our last year obviously it didn't finish you know we wanted to win conference you know but uh when you have a guy like me who likes to force the ball (laughs) (laughs) you lose a a game you shouldn't lose but um you know i just man i miss those guys you know i love them to death they're i already know i i I facetime them you know all the time you know i think i talked to like nine different players today and a couple coaches because i just wanted to hear how they were doing man yeah it's exciting i'm excited for them and so I can't wait to watch uh, my butt. They're actually going to do like a Facebook Live, and their spring game's on the 28th, and that's the last day of the draft. 
And so I'm going to have like my laptop watching the spring game. So that'll be, I'll be excited to watch them. Yeah, that'll be exciting. I actually, you know how this was all set up. I saw you on, on Instagram with, with one of your boys that you played with and, you know, it's just, just really cool to see you enjoying yourself with, with the people that, uh, you know, you came up with at Marshall and it's just nice to see. Yeah. And that'll, 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 that, that's a, that's a forever, you know, that's a forever thing. That's not just a, like, you know, I took pride in it when I was in high school. It's a, it's a four year commitment, you know, or it's a 40 year commitment, not a four year commitment. You know, you're not just committed to them while you're there and you never talk to them, man. I, that'll, that'll be forever. My school, forever, my teammates and, and forever, my coaches. You know, it's not something that'll ever change. They're your brothers, not your teammates. Oh, exactly. That's yeah. family, man. We love hearing that, man. I mean, that's uh, you know, we we appreciate a whole lot when anyone you know agrees to come on the show for for whatever reason, you know, because we're just just doing a small podcast in Southern Ohio, just trying to appreciate football and, and the guys who love to play. And uh, you know, we we appreciate you for for being a good teammate and <laughs> uh, and for coming on and and helping us out tonight and talking to us a little bit. So. It's awesome, man. It, it uh, has been. Uh, th- this has so far been. This has been fantastic, man. This is exactly uh, what I hoped for in talking to to somebody so close to home for us. So I got a, a couple questions yes, for sir. you. First off, what brought you? I mean, obviously, there's great tradition with Marshall, but why? Why did you choose Marshall? Yeah, and I saw th- you th- had LSU as an option, and and you know South Florida, and was there something about Marshall yes, that sir. that just attracted you? Well, you know. Um, I had those offers when I was younger, and when okay. I was a sophomore. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, I did, did a couple things throughout my high school career and uh, ended up committing to USF heading into my senior season, and I ended up decommitting from USF a couple months later. They had a coaching change. Um, there was a lot of things that went on with that. And so I ended up decommitting from USF. And, you know, when I'm signing day, man, I have no offers. <laughs> I don't have one school to go to on national signing day. I'm sitting there in my basketball jumpsuit watching my teammates, my brothers, sign their letter of intent to go play football, whether it was D1 to NAI. You know, I, I was there. But, man, I didn't have a school. Yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't really, I really didn't know, you know, what I was going to do. I knew I was going to play football because that's something I've always wanted to do. I didn't know if I was going to have to take a JUCO route or a prep school route or anything. I, I just didn't, I didn't know what was going to go on. You know, no one talked to me. And so I ended up. Uh, I was going to uh, attend a prep school, so I ended up trying to reclassify. That's when Doc Holiday came to the school and, and said, "Listen, Chase, you guys, don't, you don't have to do that. You know, we've had some guys who have gone here, gone there, and and you don't have to do all that. You know, we can bring you in in January. Or we can offer you a scholarship right now, full full ride for January, and and you can come in there. And then or he's like, or you can walk on now, and then we'll put you on scholarship in January. You know, uh, you know, my family didn't have the money to do that, especially being an out of state uh, program coming from Florida there." And so I ended up taking those five months of, I was just training. I was just working out, throwing. I mean, I was sitting at the house. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything. You know, all my buddies were out playing college football, you know, and I'm sitting at the house. And yep. so it was a really tough experience. Um, you know, those five months, man, it, it, people were like, oh, you had a break? You had that? No, man, I was, I was probably at my lowest of lows, you know, because I wanted to play ball. I was away from, I wasn't in school. You know, I was lifting the throne every day, but, it's not the same. It's not the same as being on a team. It's not the same as being in workouts or being around those guys. Like that's not, you know, it's not, it's not life, man. And, and so I just, I missed the hell out of it, but I was lucky enough to go up there for bull prep and practice for bull prep with Cato and those guys and then uh, leave and come back in January 4th and start my career at Marshall. 
It's awesome, man. And and it worked out for you. I mean, you're you're where you're at with this great opportunity later in the month and and you've made those, you know, those 40-year friendships that you talked about and and you know, can't get any better than that. So, we're we're 100% happy that it worked out for you just the way it has. So, what's the experience yeah, like? I know there's a lot of bigger school guys that, you know, a lot of these, you know, draft beatniks or whatever, they have you ranked above people that were much more higher profile, like think of JT Baird or someone like that. You know, what's that like? Does it feel like a testament to your hard work paying off? Uh, you know, the testament to that won't be until I'm done playing football and I have X amount of this or Y amount of that. Man, it's not. <laughs> you know, but I can't. I can't sit here and get. You know, what's what's the term I'm looking for? I guess comfortable. You know, I haven't done anything. I haven't. I haven't made a penny in the National Football League. I haven't played it down. I haven't thrown a touchdown. So I mean, it's cool to to hear this and that, but I mean. I mean, that's why there's preseason All-Americans and there's postseason All-Americans, and they remember the postseason ones. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that doesn't mean anything until you, you know what I'm saying, you put those pads on and go out on the field. Um, is, is it cool to hear my name said with certain things? Yes and no. Um, you know, I'm biased. Obviously, you know, you feel like you're the best one. And <laughs> every, person, every quarterback you ever talk to you better say that they're the best, they're the best quarterback out because that's just how a quarterback needs to be is confident, you know. Like cool, cool and collective all the time, but always confident and, and always oozing of confidence. But um, but yeah, I mean it, it, it's cool. But I, I, again, I'd be lying to you if I've been looking into that or or been been reading that stuff because again, it's all irrelevant until you get that phone call, until you step on the field, until you play. That's 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 what matters. Well spoken, my man. Never never get comfortable until you know it's it's time to be done. Now, as far yes, as sir. your career at Marshall. You know, you've you've won a lot of games there. Um, what was the most exciting moment? At, you know, most exciting win, most exciting play that you had at Marshall. My freshman year, first game of the season, Purdue game. I didn't play a down, not one down. I didn't. I didn't sweat. You know, I might have sweat in warm ups. That was about it. But I'll never forget, man, that feeling of beating Purdue, of the fans of my players, of the, my teammates, um, you know, j- just the, that, that feeling alone is, is my first college game ever. And just to be around that, to, to see the energy, to see the excitement, to see the joy of what winning does for people is just, you know, a second to none. And then just to see, man, my, my coach is happy, but, but really my teammates, you know, going crazy. When I say going crazy, I don't mean out doing stupid stuff. I mean just – because that's what that's what you do. You, you you prep for big time games. You prep for big time moments. And you know, there's many times in that game, you know, things weren't looking for us, but that defense kept pushing for us. You know, there's times Mike wasn't hitting this receiver, hitting that receiver. But you know, that last drive when he came down, you know, he went four for four and let us let us to a game, let us to a win. I mean, the, the dude played with, with his heart. The dude played with his guts. And I'll never ever forget that moment, man. That 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 was by far my favorite Marshall moment ever. Is just you know, and I didn't even play. You know, I was just watching, and but just to be a part of that and be with them, man, I'll, I'll never forget that. That speaks a lot to your character, my friend. For you to uh, your most exciting moment was a moment you didn't touch the field. I mean, that's that says a lot to me about who you are as a man. So, also, it was that that real man. It was second to none. I'll never forget it. It's fantastic, man. Well, we don't want to keep you all night. We know you. Uh, you know you probably got stuff going on. Huntington's a happening place where uh, sometimes you go to bed at nine and sometimes you're up till eleven if you're in the same boat as us in Southern <laughs> Ohio. 
But uh, man, we want yeah. we can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to get to know you for even the past twenty minutes. So thank you for that. And uh, any time you ever just want to talk about anything, just holler at us. We'd love to have you on the show anytime. It's our privilege. And thanks again, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you tonight. Absolutely, Jason. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, man. Good luck in everything, and we we look forward to to seeing, you know, where your career leads you and your hard work takes you. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a great day, Chase. All right. Then we were also lucky enough to have Steve Slayton on the episode and uh, another great guy that paid it forward to us, helped us out, and did an interview, and I hope you guys enjoy this one as well. All right, guys, I got Steve Slayton with me. Unfortunately, uh, my co-hosts weren't able to join. Uh, they're out of town on business. But, Steve, thanks for joining the show, man. I highly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart, man. I, I do appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. You're uh, one of those guys, uh, you know, I've been watching football for a long time, following West Virginia and other schools for a long time, and, and I just remember being so excited at, uh, you know, what you came out and did your rookie year. And, uh, obviously I want to talk about a few things, something we've just discussed before I hit the button, but, uh, but yeah, what, uh, as far as like these incoming rookies coming in at running back, uh, first thing I kind of wanted to ask, is there anything that these guys should know before they put on the pads and, and hit the field for game one? Like, like what don't they see coming in your opinion, Steve? Um, I think the biggest thing is to enjoy it. You know, that's first and foremost, you know, let, you know, that dream, that hard work take over and, and enjoy the moment. But, um, there comes a point to where you have to learn to be, become a professional. And I think the, the big, biggest thing is, uh, finding a mentor, finding somebody who's, um, been in the league, been as successful and, and, and try to follow their lead and pick their brain and see how they've been able to be successful and have the longevity of the season. Who was that guy for you, Steve, if you don't mind me asking? Um, it, it was, there was a lot of guys. Uh, I mean, I came in, uh, Amon Green was running back. Chris Brown was a running back, but I'll say one of the bigger ones was, uh, the backup quarterback, uh, Sage Rosenfels, you know, who's, you know, spoke to me about, you know, be, becoming a professional. It's like, you know, you can enjoy this moment, but keep working on it to, um, to stay around. He's another one of those guys. I love watching on social media, man. Sage seems like he has just a great time with life and just soaking it all in. Yeah, definitely. It seems very social aware to where, um, you know, he's been fortunate. He played for uh, over 10 years and, you know, his tax back is different, but he does care about different things and about the people that are less fortunate. So I, I like seeing that side of him. And he's always been that type of person to um, look out for people that need to be looked out for. Yeah, that's always good to hear, too. The consummate pro. And both you guys actually played for, you know, my Miami Dolphins, which makes me kind of happy that, that you mentioned yes. him and, and you as well yes. being on the show. So been a big Dolphins fan since I was, you know, just a young kid growing up in Southern Ohio. Everybody's watching the Bengals. And, you know, I remember being little and watching Dan Marino just launch one. And I'm, like, getting excited. My whole family's like, why are you, what, what are you excited about? I was like, that guy. That guy is what I'm excited about. But uh, Very understandable. Yeah. But another question I got, uh, real quick. I had a guy on. His name's Mitchell Renz, real swell guy in the fantasy football community. And he did a little write-up, a little piece about Jarek McKinnon, who's, uh, you know, getting ready to start his first year in San Francisco and, uh, you know, running under Kyle Shanahan. And, and part of the piece that he wrote was kind of a blind comparison. He put numbers side-by-side side and 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 athletic ability as far as the uh, combine goes and 
you know, what, what they did or uh, what you did actually uh, coming into the league under Shanahan in Houston. And uh, I, I thought it was really interesting because I had talked to you a little bit already before he came on and he threw me for a loop on that one. So we're talking about Jarek McKinnon and Steve Slayton and just talking about how, you know, you absolutely blew up your rookie year and, and did that under Kyle Shanahan. And I don't know if you know anything about Jarek or know him, but, but what, uh, what do you think he can expect playing under a guy like Kyle Shanahan this year? Um, I, I think I owe, owe a lot of success to Kyle just because of how he utilized me. I think Kyle um, does well with athletes, um, putting them in the best position. He's a, a great, you know, he's been around football his whole life, you know, knows father. But um, he, he does well with uh, getting plays um, or getting the ball in players' hands for them to make plays with. Yeah, and that's... That's exciting. I'm excited for Jarek. I'm excited for some of these rookies. Like, Hopefully they can achieve what you did coming into the league and just taking the league by storm that year and, and showing what you know what kind of abilities you had. And, and speaking of abilities, I, I love following players like yourself, like Sage, and just catching up with what they're doing next in their life. And uh, I saw and, and spoke to you a little bit about uh, your thing, you're doing your thing as a chef in the Houston-Dallas area. Tell me a little bit about that. What got that started, how your interest peaked in that field, and, and what you love about it? Um, well, I've always cooked since I was younger. My parents um, used to have a, a catering company, barbecue catering company. Um, but it was one of those things to where, you know, I played football my whole life. That was one of my dreams. You know, that's off the checklist. It's like, what would I want to do after? And cooking was one of those things to where I enjoy, I, you know, there's so much I can learn from it and that I'll always be learning from it. So it's one of those things to where I was fortunate enough to go to culinary school, um, work with some good places to where it helps with my credibility. And uh, right now I'm just uh, doing personal chefing and a little, little kitchen consulting. Actually, uh, one of my clients, he owns a bar and uh, he's handing over the range for me to uh, change up their bar menu. And oh yeah. Yeah. You were telling me a little bit about that. How's that going? It's going good. It's going good. Uh, just right now, just really trying to, uh, break down all the recipes, how the menu is going to go, uh, costing everything out, ordering everything. So all, all the back kitchen stuff. So it's, it's fun. It's definitely, um, a, a new title, new task. And I'm looking forward to completing, completing it. That's cool. That's a, that's another thing I'm somewhat interested in. I went to a guy, uh, in school with, uh, where I went to high school with his, uh, his name's Marcus Meacham. And, uh, he's one of those, you know, small town famous guys where we're from. He's been on the taste made channel, a few other places. He's always flying out to LA and doing cooking shows and stuff. And I always catch him and like, yeah, I'm proud of that guy. I went to school with that guy. It's really cool that he's doing that. And, and once I saw that you were doing the same thing, I was like, you know, just another thing that piqued my interest. Like if I'm going to the Dallas Houston area, which is possible, we got invited to the, uh, uh, big fantasy football convention that Tony Romo and Ezekiel Elliott host every year. Nice. And, uh, and if, if I'm down in that area and I go, you know, into a restaurant where, you know, Mr. Slayton's got the menu, what do you, what do you suggest once you got this menu done? What's your signature dish? What should I try if I head that way? Um, well, since it's a, it's a bar, um, I think the problem with, um, he'd had before I'd seen the menu is that, um, I don't think they were making that much money. I think, um, food wise, you know, you go to a bar, you're going to, uh, to a bar for bar food, but, um, everything I think I'm, I'm a touch, I'm going to try to make it, um, uh, consistent and, um, delicious. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to offer you the whole menu 
<laughs> I could probably eat the whole menu too because I love food, man, especially bar food. Like by dude I went to school with, uh, Marcus, he, he, he loves to take the American greats, the, the burgers and, you mm-hmm. know, the roast beef, just, just anything bar food, anything American food and, and just put a new twist on it. So I'll try just about anything, especially that kind of food. Yeah. It's all, it's uh, like comfort food. You know? Well, American comfort food. Yeah. If somebody puts good, calamari, good, uh, somebody, yeah. somebody puts calamari in front of me, I'm just not sure what to do. Like, do I need a special utensil? Like, can I just yeah. eat this with my hands like a burger? I, I'm just not sure. So man, uh, do you, do you still keep contact where, uh, where we live? You know, we're kind of bordering West Virginia almost. So we kind of frequent, you know, we go down that way to Mardi Gras, the casino, we go catch some Marshall games, some, some West Virginia games. You still have a, uh, you know, a lot to do with, with, uh, I know you live in the Houston, Dallas area, but do you still have a lot going on with, you know, some of your alums and, and guys down at West Virginia? Yeah, I try to keep, uh, in touch with people as much as possible, but, uh, you know, as life, life comes at you fast. So yes, whenever I can, um, me and Pat and, uh, Maddie Stout, we have a podcast, but, um, oh, yeah. Pat, Pat accepted a new job as a football coach, so it's recruiting season, so it's kind of pulling a fluctuation into uh, our podcast time. So it's just you know one of those things that life throws at you. So we'll we'll get back to it soon. What's the name of that podcast? I'd love to listen to it, man. This has been like this is kind of like my thing. Like my whole family plays music. You know, I got people that are into stuff, and I've never found anything to be into. And then once I started this podcasting thing, it's like okay, this is where my heart's at yeah what, what's the name of that podcast i'd love to check it out it is a pat white podcast or pw pod another former finn i love it yeah and you're talking pat white you know quarterback that went to to miami my my favorite team there the Finns. That that's who we're talking about right pat yes 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 sir good deal one and only <laughs> cool it's good to know you still got connections down there it's that's one of the things i like talking to, to folks about too we uh talked to Chase Litton, quarterback that just went uh, to Kansas City by way of Marshall. And uh, probably one of the best things about talking to him was just hearing about his passion for some of his teammates, you know, old and Mm -hmm. present. And just good to hear, man. It's good to hear about those relationships that get built over the years uh, through playing football. It's a strong bond. It's, you know, sports itself is a fraternity itself. So, you know, that, all that blood, sweat, and tears you spend in practice and in games, uh, you kind of have a forever bond that, you know, uh, reminds you of certain things. Good deal. Well, man, I don't want to take up much of your time. There's going to be a lot of people excited to uh, to listen to what you got to say. Uh, you know, the I'm not sure if you – I know a lot of players don't, don't get into fantasy football much. I know some do. I mean, you're, you're one of those guys that, you know, me and my buddies, when we were playing, it's just, you know, what, what can I get, what can I give you to get Steve Slayton off your hands, man? So, so what, uh, what, what do you want to, that community to kind of know about you and, and, uh, you know, just anything, what would you like them to know about Steve Slayton, the man, the chef, the football player? Uh, that I appreciate it. Having those guys, you know, follow me. It's funny that, um, well, that music's playing, where it's coming from, but, um, <laughs> It's it's funny that you know back when I started playing, I didn't really know too much about fantasy football, and it was it was great to hear guys come up to you, you know, be really into it. It seems like um, it makes the sport of football deeper, you know, because you have something else, uh, a different aspect of football to really look after. And um, I appreciate those guys' hard work. I feel like it's a, it's another job to uh, play fantasy football and to be good at. Yeah, and and it something I love about it that I think some people you know, don't talk about much is just the, just some of the light it sheds on other players. Like, you know, when you play, 
deeper leagues or, or with individual defensive players, like I've got to know so much about so many guys by, by playing that. Like one of the guys that's going to come on the show soon is Adam Carricker. And, and I know everything about that guy. Cause I'm so, <laughs> you know, I play this game yeah. and I, you know, we, we try to learn as much as we can about these guys. And it just, it's awesome to, to get to know everybody, not, not just the guys that came out like you and put a thousand yards on paper, your first season, not just the, the high draft picks, but just everybody. And uh, it's, I think it kind of brings everybody together in a sense, which is really cool. Yeah. And that's what I think football should be. I think, you know, it's a, I think one of the greatest team sports on there. So you need all 11 guys on, on one accord to, to win a game. Yeah. And that's one thing I've learned about football over the years that I, you know, wouldn't have known otherwise is just the way you guys love the game, the way you guys love each other on the field, the way you guys help each other out, even after your careers. And, just one of those comforting things to know. I mean, it's 2018. The world's kind of crazy, but when you can reach out to guys and like yourself and you agree to come on here with me, like, you know, just people helping people, man. And uh, again, yeah. I, I appreciate it. No problem at all, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, giving this opportunity. Absolutely, man. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. I'll definitely check out the Pat White show. Look forward to hearing. I know it's not going on right at the moment, but I'll backtrack those episodes. I'll listen to the ones you guys already put out there. So, so, man, Steve, thanks from the bottom of my heart, man. I appreciate it. I hope the uh, chef thing continues to to grow for you and you continue to knock it out of the park uh, just like you did football. Thanks again, Steve. Thanks for contacting me, man. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Have a good day. You too, buddy. Thank you. All right. That was the Steve Slayton episode and uh, the interview with him. Great dude. And last but not least, Damon Talbot of uh nfl draft diamonds an absolutely fantastic guy and uh another one that inspired me to to go out and try to help somebody and uh hopefully he inspires you here's damon uh from nfl draft diamonds all right guys i got damon from nfl draft diamonds with me on the line damon how you doing man i'm doing wonderful how are you excellent excited to have you on the show uh me and arms and knit my co-hosts have been following what you do on Twitter and uh, what you do on Instagram, you know, which go hand in hand. Uh, you, you pay a lot of attention to both, but we've been following the the things you do on there for a long time and really impressed with how deep you go uh, into some of the small school players. And, and, and that's not just small school players. I mean, you go from the top all the way to the bottom and you know, that, that takes a lot of uh, patience practice and a lot of work, I'm sure. Yeah, it's definitely intense. <laughs> It has its moments, but it's worth it in the end. I love giving the small school guys some attention. I believe that they deserve it. I believe that there's um, just they need it more. There's more of a niche there. I mean, for small schools, because I feel like there's just not a lot of sites that are providing that small school talk. And and I enjoy it, and I like helping them out and answering their questions if they have any. Uh, it's fun. That's why I enjoy NFL draft time and so much. Yeah, we love it too, and and that's uh, one of the reasons uh, some of the guests we've had on the show, um, actually one of the first and and only so far that play football, we've had comedians and other stuff on the show. But Chase Litton, small school Marshall, uh, it was just it was just good to talk to a guy like that to to talk to somebody who wasn't a big media name, but but also had all the skills that it takes to you know make it on an NFL roster. So. Yeah, it's exciting to get those guys' names out there and, and also just research. And I mean, there's some big players in some small schools, obviously. I mean, there's plenty in the NFL. Uh, but just to kick things off, give me a, a handful of names that uh, may have got drafted 
the second half of, of the draft or maybe undrafted, just a few guys that you had your – or a few names you had your eyes on going into this thing uh, that have since latched on with the team? Well, um, there's, there's so many guys that obviously the draft was huge, you know. When you see 200-plus players getting drafted and getting finally an opportunity – I think some of the guys that really caught the attention of a lot of um, fans were guys. Well, I'll give you an example. The Oakland Raiders drafted a couple players early. Um, they drafted PJ Hall from Sam Houston State, who's a small school kid. They drafted another kid the next round, Brandon Parker, right at the beginning of the round. And I noticed a lot of Raiders fans just so upset and so just so mad because they felt like they passed on so much talent. But what they don't realize are these are two small school kids. And I'm not just going to talk about small schoolers, but these are just two small school kids that really have shined in the last, like, four or five months but have blown up. Like a kid like P.J. Hall, I mean, he was meeting with Bill Belichick and Nick Casero of the Patriots. They flew him out to Oakland and met with their GM, and they flew him out to Dallas, and he was meeting with all these teams. And this is a guy that is like a tackle-for-loss monster at Sam Houston State. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy, but he's he's impossible to block. He has a high motor, probably should have been at a better school than a Sam Houston State, but he made the best of it. And at the end of the near the draft, as it came to close down to it, I mean, this guy was not getting attention from just local scouts or area scouts. You're talking GMs and head coaches were flying this kid out. I knew he was going to go higher than what he did. I didn't know how high. Um, and I know a lot of Raiders fans were probably upset about that pick, but I'm going to tell you what Raiders fans, if there's any listening, I'm telling you, it's a good get. The guy is a great football player. Very high motor, doesn't stop, hard to block. He has good moves. Then you get a guy like Brandon Parker in the next round who in North Carolina, I mean, he's probably the best thing that they've ever had besides, you know, the little guy, Tarek Cohen, came out last year from the Bears. And this guy was responsible for putting up a lot of those yards for Tarek Cohen. He made holes. He's huge. And at the in a black college like that at North Carolina A&T, he was the man. I mean, he's the best offensive lineman in the draft for small schoolers, and it showed. I mean, the Raiders got two picks, but then how they ended up following that round, that next round up, you know? I mean, you get Arden Key, and then you get a Mo Hurst. I mean, Raiders, I think, killed the draft, but I think that the Raiders' initial fan reaction was upsetting because they didn't get, you know, a Mo Hurst in round two or three rather than around five or wherever he went. You know what I mean? Yeah, I actually, I think Raiders fans should should dig a little deeper on these names. And I, they've been accustomed uh, over the last decade and a half to taking uh, combine standouts. So to see them turn around and take a couple of small school guys uh, like Brandon Parker and like P.J. Hall, like you mentioned, I mean, that's showing that that, that, uh, that staff up there in the war room is, is doing it differently. Now they're not just taking the Michael Mitchell's of the world that ran, that was nowhere on the draft radar years ago, but then he ran a, a four, three, eight, I believe. And, and they took him almost solely based off that. And, and they didn't even, they didn't even get anything out of him. Pittsburgh did, but I mean, Raiders fans should, should definitely, you know, just dig a little deeper they're not going after combine studs anymore. They're doing the research and, and I agree with you. I think they, they probably found a couple guys that can help them out tremendously this year. Absolutely. 
I, you know, this whole draft was just an interesting draft, though. I can say that. Did you notice how many big time, big wide receivers? I would say big, just physical bodied wide receivers. They weren't getting the same amount of looks. It seems like the NFL's starting to focus more on slot and slot corners. If you look at the corners that were taken, you don't see a lot of big outside corners. They were slipping all the way through the draft. But the littler guys, the little slot corners, were starting to get taken. Guys that were running faster, they had length. You're not seeing you weren't seeing like I don't know. I want to say like a guy like Levi Wallace, you know, from Alabama. He's a big kid, had good length, played outside, and he doesn't get drafted, but then you got a kid like Tremon Smith from Central Arkansas, you know, or a Deion Crossan. Um, from Western Carolina, these are smaller guys, but they ran faster and they have they have better physical traits because that slot position is becoming more and more um, vital in that in defensive schemes. You know that slot receiver can kill you in some cases. When you get a Julian Edelman, he can kill your he can kill your your defense. So what they're doing now is they're trying to find somebody that can cover him. Well, how do you cover him? You get a bigger, faster, and stronger kid that can try to cover him and they can stay with him. And that's what I think a lot of teams now are doing. If you go and you look, look how much money Nikel Roby Coleman received from the Rams this year. You're talking about a straight nickel corner. The kid's like five foot seven, and he got paid. But why are they getting paid? Why are slot receivers like Tavon Austin making what almost eight million dollars a year? They're getting paid money because it's starting to become a trend. And what you're seeing is guys like Alan Lazard from from um, Iowa State. Guys like um. Uh, what's the kid's name? Robert Foster from Alabama. And these guys falling straight out of the draft. And that's crazy to me, but it's not. Simi Cobbs. I mean, you're talking about another big receiver doesn't get a chance until undrafted free agency. Yeah. Why are these big receivers not getting a shot? Yeah. Outside it's... receivers seem to be getting overlooked. You're absolutely right. Equin- Equinemia St. Brown, all the way down to round six. A lot of people had mocked him. You know, early second, I even seen some late first grades on that guy, and and he intrigued me as well. But you're absolutely right. Guys like Christian Kirk and uh, Anthony Miller, to name some some bigger prospects. I mean, these are these are smaller dudes, not so much in in uh, you know weight like BMI, but they're not those six foot two, three, four, and five uh, big outside receivers. The the league is absolutely uh, catching on to what I like to call the Patriots, you know, the Patriots way of playing is, is playing with the, the Edelmans and, and the uh, Amendolas and the Chris Hogan's like taking these small shifty guys that can simply get open and get first downs. And, uh, and that seems to be the way a lot of teams are, are going to mimic that and take a lot of these smaller shiftier guys that just simply get open rather than trying to toss the ball all the way down the field every drive. Yeah, I think it's a mistake, but I mean, who am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is kind of crazy because I mean, some of the most dominant receivers to ever play the game, you know, were were not shifty slot guys. They're Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson, and you know, it's. I still think you have to to take chances on those guys. I think Cortland Sutton dropped a little farther than. I mean, I was surprised. I knew he's kind of raw, um, but I mean, even even to that extent, he fell farther than I thought he would. And that kind of goes hand in hand with what you were just talking about with some of the the smaller guys. Yeah, I mean, I believe the first wide receiver drafted was DJ Moore, wasn't it from yeah. Carolina? Yep, absolutely was. And you're talking about a small, shifty Steve Smith type football player. It's crazy. 
It is. And Sammy Cobbs, you brought him up. I was extremely high on him going into this. He uh, he toasted Denzel Ward quite a few times in their matchups, and for him to go and draft it blew me away. I'll give you one that blew me away is Jake Wenicky, South Dakota State. How did that kid go undrafted? I mean, he put up he put up Cooper Cup like numbers. I mean, he smashed every record in the FCS. And this kid, I, I don't care if he's white, I don't care if he's slow. He knows how to get open, and he's been doing it his whole career. No matter how North Dakota State could put 10, 10 corners back there, and he will still catch the ball. He, he he was just that good of a player, that dominant, and he goes undrafted in Minnesota Vikings sign him. That's going to be the guy, remember that. I'm t- giving you that name now. He's going to be the guy that people go, why? Why Why didn't somebody take a chance on him? Someone will get fired for Jake Wenicke. A scout will get fired in that region over Jake Wenicke, in my opinion. That's exactly part of the reason I wanted to have you on the show. I mean, calls like that. Like, I, I love to look out for these names and to keep these names at the back of your mind. Like, you know, don't forget about these guys because once they get in a camp and start competing, you're going to start seeing their name on the uh, the news snippets uh, for off-season news. And, yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of those guys overlooked in fantasy drafts as well. Yeah, and I know, I mean, a lot of people put that – they get this mindset that because they're undrafted, they're not going to come in and compete. But let's go back and look last year. Look at Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole was a guy that nobody knew about. And this kid came out of nowhere. Injuries come up for the Jaguars. He has to fill in. And he has I, – I think he had almost 500 yards or maybe more this year yeah. as a receiver. And you're talking about a guy that – who knew Keelan Cole? No one. Nobody knew who he was. I mean, he only had a camp rookie mini camp invite. That was it. He didn't. He wasn't signed as an undrafted. He was a rookie camp invite. He goes in there, earns a spot, beats out people for the fifty-three man roster, and and has a heck of a year. And that's what it's about. And if a scout, a, all right, let's just say this: NFL scouts get comfortable in their position, and what they do is they try to fit their mold, but they never take a chance. And a lot of scouts are scared to take a chance because if you take a chance and you miss, then you're held accountable. But if you take a chance and you hit, now you look like a hero. So it's kind of like the hero. You don't. It's like the half, the half glass. You know, the glass half full. The, the way you, that's their perception of looking at the pitcher is me. You know, if I hit, then then I'm, I'm going to look like a hero. But if I don't hit, I'm going to lose my job. So I'm just going to stay in the middle and pick the guys that whatever my my staff wants. Yeah. That. Instead of picking the guy and go, taking a risk. You got to take a if I was a scout in the NFL, I would probably either have a really amazing career or I'd probably be fired after year 1 because <laughs> I'd pound the table. Cuz I mean, I, I'm going to take that risk. I mean, they don't make a lot of money. They're away from their family every day. I mean, you you don't I I guess I would say this. From a person from a perspective, I I deal with scouts every day, NFL scouts. I love them to death. I feel like They've become part of me over years because I've built up such a relationship with GMs and, and scouts and and guys that like I know their families' names. I've seen them in you know I, we've went out to dinner. I mean when when you're meeting these guys and you understand them, man, their job is so stressful. You know they're living out of a suitcase for six to eight months a year, getting paid peanuts, and then a lot of them are scared to take that stand on a player and. You know, there's a couple of them that are like, they're gun ho They're just like, you know, hey, look, if I go out, I'm going out swinging. I'm just going to take my gas and just go with it. And it's worked out for some guys. And some guys, 
they're sitting at home right now because, you know, they struck out or it was a bad idea. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, too. I mean, there's there's got to be reasons some of these guys get overlooked. You were talking about Keelan Cole, and, I mean, he had to have gotten overlooked for that exact same reason. Nobody had the, you know, the gumption to take a chance on that guy. And now he's probably going to lead that team in receiving this season. He's he's a stud, I'm telling you right now. Yeah. I, I, mean, I love him. Allen Robinson is gone. Uh, you've got Keelan Cole. You've got D.D. Westbrook. They brought D.J. Chark into the fold, but I, I don't. I don't believe in that landing spot for him myself. Um, but but yeah, Keelan Cole looks like the guy, and and coming out of nowhere, it's it's crazy to see. Is there anyone else? Um, who who do you see out of all the guys you've kind of profiled? Do you see a guy like Keelan Cole coming out and being productive this year from a camp invite? coming straight up and making the making the 53 main roster and doing something this season there's a couple guys that are I'll, I'll stay right on the receiver spot there's a couple of guys who are wide receivers that are extremely overlooked i mean they're only getting camp invites right now which this is insane to me like i would be this is why i would lose my job those two kids i have two kids they would be on my team right now and i would not look back i just Hundred percent, I pound the table. They'd be on my team. A kid named Ashton Grant. He comes from a little tiny school called Assumption. Um, it's up north somewhere in the Northeast, and this little tiny school hasn't produced many players. But I'm telling you, there's a wide receiver named Ashton Grant, and it's A S H T O N Grant. That kid is special. He had three thousand yards receiving in his career. He's a touchdown machine. No one can stop him in his division. First team All-American. He has a couple invites. I want to say the Raiders called him. I want to say the Ravens maybe called him. And there was another team. But you're talking three minicamp invites. Um, and that's really it, you know. Um, the other kid is a man by the name of – you there still? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All, All ears, right. man. Uh, ears All wide right. open. I was, I was like, I just got really quiet. Oh, no, no. I'm excited to hear these names. <laughs> okay. The other one, I apologize for that little break there. You're good. But the other one is um, a kid by the name of Deontes um, Alexander. And you might have seen me tweeting about this kid. I think I this have. This kid comes from Franklin College. Like, I can't even tell you where Franklin College is. That's how small it is. It's. I want to say it's in the Indianapolis area. This kid is from Indianapolis. Father was sick. He needed to end up going through like kidney dialysis. His son was like a Juco star and could have went anywhere he wanted. But he made the decision. I want to stay close to my father to make sure to take care of him because he had a little brother and stayed with him and did not leave his dad. And in the last two years had 32 touchdowns, 19 or 18 last year. He's 6'4". He's 215 pounds and he runs a 4'3", that right there is ridiculous. I'm talking about straight stretch. You're not catching him in a straight. He can run routes. He's tall. He's got. He's physical. I mean, think he. I think he had like a 38 inch vert. I think he had 11 one broad jump. Killed killed his pro day. He went to Ball State and came away every team calling him. Every team that went there was like, who is that kid and why? Where is he from? Everyone wanted him, and he ended up going. He got two mini camp invites. He got one to the 49ers and one to the Lions. 
I will tell you this. Those two kids right there, they would be on my football team. If I was, especially for undrafted, you don't lose no shame in that by signing a guy undrafted. I would be like, look, you didn't get an invite. I'm going to sign you. I'll give you a $2,000 signing bonus. You're coming to my football team. You're coming. To, I don't care. I'm pounding the table. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I love them two kids. Them two kids are talented, great story, amazing character, no, no flaws in their background, and just good, humble kids. I mean, these are undrafted guys. And, I and of course, I love the Jake Wenickies of the world, but I already mentioned him, so I went in a different direction with this. Yeah, that's, I, I'm definitely going to have my eyes on those kids. How, what brings you to some of these guys that you profile? Like, how do you find these names? Because, I mean, I, I'm going to admit, like me and my two co-hosts, we're constantly digging, looking for film, looking for guys to look out for. And and two out of the three names you've mentioned that you love, I've not heard of yet. So I'm very interested how you find these guys. Well, you have to remember, I've been doing this for 10 years now. Yeah. And what really helps is I I work, okay, I build a database. What NFL Draft Diamonds is, is an, a, it's in a database. All right? I sit there, watch film over years, and I've built this database with all these prospect names in it. Only small schoolers. So, for example, I'm I'm already on 2019. I've been working on 2019. We're at preseason list right now, and I have 356 players in my list. 356 players off of film that I've watched. This is not including transfers. This is not including grad transfers or anything. Guys that have dropped out. We're just talking about active players for 356 players in the national that, that are in divisions from D1AA, which is the FCS, D2, D3, and the NAIA, which are the four divisions, the smallest divisions that make up the largest amount of schools in the college football. What we do is we break down film over watching film. I try to watch three games of every school every year. And sometimes I'm able to, sometimes I'm not. I have connections with a lot of the leagues now, and I'm able to get their film, and it's a lot easier to watch. Um, so if let's say, for example, let's take a let's take a team like North Dakota State. In North Dakota State, I might watch three games. I might watch North Dakota State against South Dakota State. I might watch them against Illinois State, and I might watch them against a Western Carolina or a Western Illinois or something like that, just to break it up. I'll take those three games. I'll watch them, and I'll and I'll scout both teams on each end. And I'll go through each offense, each defense, each special teams. I watch film. Guys that stick out over the film, over the years, any guy's number that sticks out, I get their number and their name. And I'll mark what I liked about them. And I'll go through and I build this entire database of all these prospects. So in the past three years leading up to the senior year of this year in 2019, 356 guys popped out as guys that I think have the potential to at least get a shot in the National Football League. That's not including any transfers. Then what we do is we dig into their backgrounds. We reach out to every single prospect in that database, and we contact them. We get all their information from their medical records all the way to their arrest histories, all the way to their Instagram accounts, to their Twitters, to everything. We compile it all in a database, and every year, two weeks before the NFL draft, we send our grades out to the National Football League for free. And this is our list to all NFL football teams for free. We do not charge them anything. I believe as a law enforcement officer, I believe that 
integrity and everything else will get me farther than, you know, money. I could charge them if I wanted to. I've had people try to tell me I should sell it to teams. I've had teams try to come to me and say, I just want just you. I don't want it to send it to all 31 teams. I just want you to just ours. Just don't give it to 32. Just give it to us. And I won't do that. And the reason I won't do that is because I believe that that database is helping these small school kids. We projected 20, 21 kids would be drafted from small schools this year. 22 were drafted. So we're pretty close when it comes to what we're talking about. And a lot of these guys that you start hearing about and seeing about that these small schoolers, it, it comes to the point that I'll be – I'll be on my way driving home and I'll get a phone call from a scout and say, Hey, look, I got, I was looking at your list and you're missing a kid. You need to add him. His name is so-and-so. So you get help. And then on the back end, I'll have a guy hit me up and say, Hey, I'm going to East Texas Baptist today. Do you have anybody? Yes. You need to look at the linebacker and we'll go back and forth and we help each other out. then. So basically I'm getting help from the teams and the teams are getting help from me and we kind of coexist and, help bounce things off each other. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And it's extremely, I, I got a lot of respect for the, for some of the, you know, things you said about not, not worrying about money. I mean, it's about helping these school, these small school kids get recognized and yeah. Uh, well, you got, I, I could, li- I could listen to this all Christ, day, man. This so. is good stuff. Well, I'm a believer in Christ and I don't, I don't need money. I mean, the big guy's got me. He's been taking care of me. And uh, I can't complain. So I'm a big believer in him. And, you know, if I can help a kid, you got to remember, I mean, I don't know if you know my backstory or not, but, you know, I was a pretty big football player coming out and I broke my back and they told me I'd never play. They told me I'd never walk. Um, I've been able to walk now, obviously, as a law enforcement officer, I'm walking, but I'm walking, I'm working. And now I'm just to take my passion and my dream to go and try to help somebody else live out their dream since I can't do it anymore. And to be able to see a kid or hear a family or get a phone call, you know, like, for example, I helped Ido, uh, Ido Smith, the, the running back who got drafted by the Falcons quite a bit this year, That's helped cra- him get his name out there. That's crazy and, that you mentioned him because I was going to ask you about him next because he's one of the guys I, that's popped out of the page uh, to me, but go ahead. Yeah, so like today I just get a call out the blue and he's like, you know, I just want to thank you for everything, man. It's an honor to know you and help. Yeah, and I didn't do anything really, but – it's that type of thing that means more to me than any paycheck because this kid's about to live his dream, man. He's going to be an Atlanta Falcon. I mean, he's just so excited. I don't know if you've ever watched his film. I have. This is Shady McCoy 2.0. This kid is a stud. I mean, I do not know how he didn't go faster and earlier because I love him. I love his film, his shift ability, his hands out the backfield. He's tough, and he's just a great kid overall, though. When you meet him, he's so humble. He's, you know, he's like, um, uh, I don't know. No, I just love him. I love him like a kid. He's a great he's a great football player and a great overall just person, you know? And they absolutely drafted him with a role in mind. I mean, Tevin Coleman's going to move on. Devontae Freeman probably isn't going to be around forever. Uh, uh, yeah, as soon as I saw the Edo, Edo Smith pick, I was – and I knew you were coming on the show. I was like, I got to remember to ask him what he thinks of Edo Smith because that's, you know, not exactly a tiny school, but it's a small school guy. And uh, and he, I was very happy to see him go as high as he did. Yeah, he he's going to, he'll have a role. And I don't know what that role will be at first, but remember him in the preseason. That's the, that's where you'll, that's where you'll see him get his mark. Don't put him against no third string defense. He's going to eat. 
I'm telling you right now. He's going to eat. I love that kid. Great kid. I'll give you another good kid that's, I mean, just like, I don't know. He grew on me over the last couple of weeks. Is His name is Marquez um, Valdez Scantling. Oh, yeah, Green Bay. USF. Yep. Yeah, Green Bay drafts him. Listen, have you seen that kid's film? Yes, I have. There, there's a reason wow. he went before Equinemia St. Brown. Wow. I'm saying you're talking, he's a big kid. He's Martavis Bryant 2.0. Yeah, and, and that's that's what they need. Him late in the draft, <sighs> Packers got a steal. Oh yeah, and they and they've got wide open spaces for him to move his way up that receiver ranks too. And they got St. Brown. Didn't they get St. Brown too? Yeah, they did. Yep, but they yeah, that, that's they took Valdez first. Yeah, I like Valdez, but I just had to throw his name out there because I I fell in love with this film. He's fun to watch. Yes, he is. I'm going to ask you about one of my guys. I don't know, you know. Seems like you stick to some small ones, and this is a fairly small school, but it's it's still kind of, it's still fairly big. But I'm a I'm a big Miami Dolphins fan, and in round seven, I work in Athens, Ohio. Athens, Ohio is a college town, Ohio University, and my Miami Dolphins took Quentin Poling, linebacker out of Ohio. I don't know if you've seen much film on him or not, uh, but I just wanted to get your take on him if you had. Seen much film he eats against my team. I'm a UB Bulls fan. There we go. I'm, I'm from Buffalo, so I'm a Mac guy. So, pulling is a type of kid, high motor, hard hitter, thumper, tackle machine. I mean, I can see why the Dolphins like him. He'll probably have like a, um, what was the kid's name from Penn State? Y'all had Mike Hall, I think his name was. Mike Hall. Wasn't, wasn't he from Penn State? Hall, the linebacker in Miami for the Dolphins, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, name. Mike Hall, H-U-L-L, yeah. yep. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm sick, so Hall sounds like Hall. Oh but yeah, Hall. Yeah, he um, he's similar to that, and he's the type of kid that will probably be used on special teams. He'll he's a, a type of player. His coaches said this to me when I spoke to their coaches. You can ask him to go and do anything, and he'll go do it. He's that type of guy. He's like a good, coachable, young, hungry type kid. Not arrogant, not cocky, but gets the job done lunch pail type football player that's what you're looking for in the late rounds you want guys that are going to come in that you can coach especially if you're a newer coach or like let's say for example a linebackers coach i don't know who the linebackers coach is down there but obviously their mindset is i need a guy that's going to come in and work maybe they've had problems in the past where you tell the linebacker this is what we want done and it's not getting done the way that you're expecting it to get done He's the type of kid that will get it done the way you want it done and then perfect it. And that's a great thing when you're having a, a young kid like that to come in. He could end up coming in and trying to steal playing time from people. And over time, coaches like to groom their own kids. They like to groom their own is to say that's where a lot of problems that falls in the NFL. You have scouts and you have, and you have coaches. They all have their opinions. A scout knows talent. A, foot, a coach feels like they can change the talent and make them what they want, mold the talent. And that becomes a, a head bump in session where somebody ends up losing their job most of the time. But in this case, that coach obviously and that scouts, them scouts and that coaches obviously had the same type of mindset. And I would not be surprised if special teams is what they had on their mind. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're definitely linebacker needy as well. Uh, but you mentioned Buffalo. You are talking about Buffalo University, right, that OU faces? Yeah. Okay. Tell me what you know about uh, Kamathi Halsey. 
big wide receiver, big wide receiver. We did an interview with him. Um, he's like, I want to say he's six. He's at least six three. He's a big kid. He a little raw. Route running ability is pretty decent. Big frame, big window, can catch the ball high places. Um, he has some quickness to him. He's not slow. He's not Calvin Benjamin slow. He, you know, he has a little bit of speed to him. Um, and overall, he's a he's a he would be a, probably a, a outside receiver. You wouldn't want him in a slot, but an outside receiver. He's decent on going on out routes. He's de- decent in the red zone. And Buffalo, their passing attack was iffy this year. They had two different quarterbacks that they switched in and out of, but he stayed consistent. I think he's a good player. I think he's I think he's a little bit raw, and he needs a little bit more. Um, he needs to work on a little bit more, like coming out of breaks. When he gets up to the top of his break, the the way he comes off his back foot sometimes, the way he pushes off, he needs to change it up and try to plant plant his foot differently. And I think on a comeback route, I think he'd be a little bit faster if he did little things like that. But that's all coachable. You can't coach his size in his in his hands. Um, his window, his catching radius is ridiculous, and the kid can catch. He doesn't he doesn't drop a lot of balls. So coming from the UB, I mean, I know it's a small it's a smaller Mac school, but I'll tell you, I like the kid. He's tough. Have you have you seen or heard of him getting any invites to a camp? I haven't yet, but I'll call him later and let you know. Um, I did an interview with him. He's a humble kid, man. I really I hope he gets a shot. I know the right now. I know the Buffalo kids. They got a shot. I think I want to say Damone Harris, the defensive end, who was a, a pass rush specialist for UB. He got a shot with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as an undrafted guy, um, and he's about the only one. I know they had a safety who's pretty similar to Micah Hyde, um, Williamson, Ryan Williamson. I don't know if he got a shot or not. But this is the year you're going to see the, the Buffalo Bulls in 2019. You're going to see two Bulls get drafted. Sounds good. So, the linebacker and the wide receiver will get drafted from Buffalo. That's my final answer. Good deal. Yeah, I like. I've talked to Kamathi Holsey a couple times uh, on Twitter. Just you know, a little back and forth, just because I'm familiar with you know anybody that faces Ohio University since I work up there, and and I know some uh, sports marketing fellows up there that I talk to. So he was a name I've just kind of had my eye out for, and and I'm hoping for the best for him because he seems like a great kid. Yeah, he's he is a great kid. Comes from a good family, got his head on his shoulders. You you root for kids like that, and that's that's the hard part is not trying to let your personal feelings get in the way of what you're seeing because sometimes you root for a kid so bad in your heart, and you don't get to see him make it, and it just kills you because you know he can he has the it factor, but other people aren't seeing it, and that's hard sometimes. Absolutely, man. That's you know I I know. It was one of the biggest stories of the draft time, but I can't tell you how many times I choked up watching the the Shaquem Griffin stuff. I mean, you just you just want the best for everybody that's working for it, and it's it's refreshing to hear someone else, you know, being selfless and and trying to help some of these kids out. Um, this is this is so much better than I could have imagined having you on because very interested in your story, interested in what you do, and I love the fact that you're helping these kids out. Well, I'll tell you, it feels good. It definitely does. You know, I love I love sitting down and just, like, I talk to parents. I mean, you, I guess I'll tell you what I've learned, what I've come to learn over the years is when you go to a, a University of Ohio State or you go to a Michigan or you go to a, a Florida 
or big school like that, they have what they call a pro school liaison. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, these pro school liaisons are paid about a hundred thousand dollars a year. And all they do is prep football players about what they can and what they can't do for the NFL draft process. So let's just say, for example, I'm just going to take you through what a prospect would go through if they were a senior. So let's just say Denzel Ward at Ohio State. Denzel Ward comes into his junior year. At his junior year, when he comes into school, his they sit down with a pro liaison, and the pro liaison says, listen, NFL agents are going to reach out to you. You can talk to the NFL agents, but you can't accept nothing in monetary value. He can take you out to dinner, but he can't buy it for you. He can take you on a ride, but you can't, you know, he, you know, like uh, you can't drive his car. You can't do these things. And they go through all these rules and regulations and let these guys know what they can and can't do. Then they get through their senior year and they go, you have uh, agents that are contacting you. Any agent that contacts you, they got to contact us, and then we'll set up an appointment. They can come to the school and meet with you. And they do all these things for the player. So it's a huge help because they kind of know the rules and regulations of what you can and can't do for the NFLPA, okay? Now, on the flip end, when you take a school like, let's say, uh, I don't know, um, West Alabama, okay? Well, West Alabama doesn't have a pro school liaison. What they have is a coach. And their coach is trying to tell them, but their coach don't know the rules and regulations. So – a lot of these kids are misinformed going into the draft. They don't know that they can talk to an agent. They don't know that they can – they don't know the ins and outs or the rules of the NFLPA. So a lot of them fall behind the eight ball because the whole year they're not talking to any agents. Then it comes time and it's about their pro day and they don't have an agent. Well, how do I find an agent? Now they'll just – they're looking for just anybody that has the word agent next to their name on Twitter. And half of them aren't certified. Half of them aren't even legit. But they don't know this because they're not listening. They're not paying attention. They're listening to advice from their coaches on some occasions who have no clue what's going on. So what I've done is I basically created a service for kids that if they need to know something or have questions in regards to the agent process or the NFL process, I answer the questions for free. I was I went to college and I went and got my master's degree because I want to become a sports agent. And that all changed when I seen how corrupt and dirty the agents were, some of them, not all of them, but right. most of them. Right. So no, I won't say most of them. A lot of them are, are dirty. So I've being that I'm a Christian, it's hard for me to go and compete with a bunch of snakes when I'm trying to look like a lamb. It just don't work. You know what I mean? Right. So I've came to the conclusion is okay. I'm going to help these kids. I'm going to help them any way I can, and I'm going to teach them the right way so they don't get screwed. And that's what I've done. And I've taken kids from. D3 to FCS, and I deal with their parents. I've talked with conference calls with loved ones, with pastors, with people that some of these kids are being raised by their grandmas. And I'm talking with the grandma and letting them know. I'm showing them what to read and how to do it. They, they sign with an agent. They send me the contract before they sign. And I'm telling them, look, no, you don't want to sign that with that addendum in there. If you do, you're going to have to pay that money back. Right. Oh, so I'm helping these kids so they're not getting caught into situations where over long term, it'll really affect them and hurt them. So that's kind of what we do. But I mean, I talk with parents on a regular basis. I mean, this isn't a 10 minute conversation. I'm talking to them for an hour. I'm answering all their questions. They call and pop agents names to me. What do you think of this agent? Do you know if he's had any records in his past? Do you know this? Do you have that? And I'm sitting there dealing and telling them exactly the truth of what I know, what I don't know. And if I don't know, 
I find the answer and get it back to them. It's just a peace of mind. And I charge $0 to do this. I don't want anything back for it. But I want I don't want to see the kid get screwed over because of something down the road that they could have known about or they didn't know. Today's the hardest day for me. Um, I get on my, my Twitter account. I have 75 messages, 75 kids that are sitting at home that aren't, that aren't getting an invite. They're sitting there. They're not. No team's called. They want to know why their agents aren't calling. They want to know why they don't have a team invite, but they don't realize how hard it is to make it to the NFL. Right. They think because they're an All-American at a D3 school, they automatically should get a shot because another linebacker from a D3 school got a shot five years ago. It doesn't work like that. I mean, the things change, and it's hard, and trust me, I try to answer every answer, every question, but I have 75 emails and 100 questions and parents calling me, and it, and this day is stressful because I feel bad. I wish they could all get a shot, but that's why I made a video on my YouTube, and I'm like, look, you need to listen to this because you're not all going to get a shot. And we try to prepare them, but it's hard, and it's hard to get through their head. Imagine Imagine being a great athlete and on your campus, you're a hero. Yeah. And everyone's waiting for you to hear your name called somewhere, whether it be a workout or whatever. And you see kids from your, from your competition getting invites. And then you're thinking, what's the first thing you start doing? You start questioning things. It's just like when things are going wrong in your life, you start questioning things, man, what am I doing wrong? Am I doing something wrong? Is God punishing me? What am I? And these are the things that start rolling through your head. It's just like normal stuff We're I mean, we're all human. This is what happens. And these kids, they start playing the blame game. I'm going to start blaming my mom because she told me to lean towards that agent, or I'm going to blame my, my brother because he told me I need to take this money from this agent. Now I can't fire him and go get with this better agent or whatever it is. And they start blaming the blame game, but they just got to sit back, be patient and be humbled and just do what they got to do. It'll play out long run, but right now it's just it's too much for them. I mean, you don't know how many I, I've got them today so bad, and I feel horrible. So, I mean, I do my best to answer them and try to just give them hope. And but man, it's it's a rough it's a rough day. I hate days. I hate this day. This is like the worst day of the draft. After the draft, I hate this day. But hopefully, everyone will get their shot. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and at least you know they've got guys out there like you trying to to help you know get them through it and and at least give them the knowledge of what they need to know if they do get that shot. So hopefully you know those kids that that don't get the call, hopefully they can at least look back and be like, you know, I had some people around me that did everything they could to to try to help me you know achieve what I was going for. So good stuff, man. Really good stuff. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, awesome. I was super excited about having you on, even more excited after getting to talk to you. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that, though. Uh, some great stuff, uh, some great names to watch out for, uh, a great story about how NFL Draft Diamonds came to be. And, man, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me tonight. This has been great. I'm glad you had a lot to say, and, and I hope all the listeners uh, of ours you know, listen to it and just think about some of this stuff for a little bit. Think about how hard it is on some of these kids trying to, to get to the NFL and, and it's just, it's humbling, you know, everybody's got problems and you can't, you can't look at pro sports and just think, you know, millionaires and diamond rings. There's, there's real work going on out there and there's real, real people uh, trying to achieve, you know, that status. And they're just, they're like a lot of us out there. And I love the fact that you're supporting them and, 
trying to help them out and trying to make sure they don't get bamboozled by agents. It's very respectful, man. I'm glad you came on tonight. Well, I appreciate you having me, and uh, I'll be more than happy to come on anytime. We can talk, and, man, look out. Look it out. Look out and uh, hit me up. Feel free anytime, man. If you have any questions or comments or you know anybody that has any or you know prospects that are going through some, man, feel free to reach out to us. We're easy to contact. You can get it at me on Draft Diamonds on Twitter, Instagram, shoot, Facebook, YouTube. I don't care. Anyway, you'll find me, and, I, and I'll be more than happy to help you out. Sounds great, man. I'd love to have you on again, and I'm sure we'll make it happen. And you're doing a great job with NFL Draft Diamonds, pushing out great information. It sounds like you're helping out a lot of great kids. So thanks again, Damon. I appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and we'll talk to you again soon. And I'm looking forward to it. Hey, thank you, man. God bless you, brother. You too, man. It was fun to be on. Absolutely. Have a good night, man. Take care, brother. You too. Hey, guys. If you stuck it out through that whole thing, thanks for listening. Much appreciated. That ends our uh, special episode of uh, Random Acts Kindness. People that have done well by us, we appreciate it. Love everybody. Thank you. This concludes another episode of the Back Row Fantasy Show. Thanks for listening, and be sure to give us a review.